is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Stroud. Good eye, Nick. <laughs> Good eye, Nick. Okay. Hey. Karen is called. Okay, now I'm at least seeing the, the, the pop-ups when they call. Karen, you with us? Alright, well hey everybody. It's me, it's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh, and welcome back to another episode of Coco Talk. This is Coco Talk number 15, and we have a very special treat for you today. You may or may not notice something on my screen here right now, but on my screen, oops, I'm moving the wrong thing here. But on my screen is a little game, a little obscure indie game that had a brief period of acknowledgement for a couple of days. Um, but it's a game called Pac-Man. And what we're looking at here is the authentic original Pac-Man game as played in the arcade machines. But what makes this even cooler is that this is the original Pac-Man game running on a color computer. Say it isn't so, but it is. And um, we have with us on the call the man who made this possible. And it's not Gandhi. It is not uh, Donald Trump. It is not the Easter Bunny. It is somebody else completely. A mere mortal human being made this happen. And his name is Glenn Hewlett. How are you today, Glenn? Good. Thanks for having me on, Steve. <laughs> How'd you like that introduction? That was something. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a mythical creature who created this. No unicorns <laughs> were harmed in the making of this product. So. <laughs> well, it wasn't just me. There was a lot of people that helped me um, make this game, I must say. A lot of people on uh, the Coco list answering a million of my questions and super helpful people. So... Yeah, Got to acknowledge yeah. that for sure, but it was six months of work <laughs> for sure. <laughs> a lot of pain in the butt stuff, you know, debugging this stuff. I remember there were times where I was just fighting with bugs for like three weeks or three days straight, I must say. And it's like oh, I'm almost at the point where I just give up, but just kept going. Eventually, figured it out. And you were also getting some speed issues in the earlier parts there, and you were thinking maybe you couldn't get it up to yeah. speed, if I remember. Yeah, yeah, I was really worried about that. Because, um, I got back into the Cocoa um, probably about a year ago now, but I was, you know, always reading articles here and there about the Cocoa and stuff, because it's always been an interest of mine, right? Like all of us probably since we were kids. And uh, I remember reading a, an article about stack blasting, saying, oh, that's a neat idea that could have been used on the Cocoa, right? So I was that was in the back of my mind when I was making Pac-Man, thinking, oh, I can do that, and that, that'll be fast. So I did write some routines using stack blasting once I got the actual game running, and it was still slow. It's like, oh, no, this isn't going <laughs> to... It's not going to work. Nobody wants to play a slow version of Pac-Man. But then it was one of these talk, um, Coco Talks, I think the first one or something. I remember... I think it was Curtis asked Nick... If he if he used compiled sprites in his Popstar Pilot game, and he just commented, "Yes, I do." It's like, what are compiled sprites? <laughs> <laughs> then I went on the internet digging up all all kinds of information on that. It's like, wow, okay. So then, yeah, I just looked into that big time, and of course, got some help from uh, 
some more people about about them, and yeah, just push the limits. And Curtis came up with some, some good comments on the, on the Cocoa list about using the stack and compiled sprites. And yep. Started from the bottom up. That was a great tip. So, so yeah, yeah. Obviously, it helps. Yeah. The game's running, you know, as fast as it can. You know, oh. Six years. It is running, uh, and it's and it's looking really good uh, right now. I figured we would lead in with just showing you the game already running, but it's probably worth showing the uh, the startup screen too because there are a few options you can tweak. And and I want to acknowledge everybody who's just joined us in the chat too. So uh, Richard Cavell is here, uh, Solstice is here, and NML32 all here in the chat. Thanks for being here, everybody. And by the way, we have we we ran into an issue with um, the Skype group. So you can't call the group, but if anybody wants to just join the call, just call me on Skype directly. Just just do a Skype call to me, OG Stevie Stro. We need to already be Skype contacts before I can add you, but uh, just call me and I can add you in that way. But the group call thing is just out of control now. Um, but yeah, so this is what the game looks like uh, as it's running. This is the game over demo here. This is the attract mode. One of the things that's very cool that I think is just a, um, a minor stroke of brilliance is that rather than trying to deal with compressing the screen to fit on the cocoa screen because the vertical resolution isn't quite the same you decided to do a panning or a scrolling through the screen here right. and uh, it is a very cool effect and it's very subtle it's not distracting from playing the game it almost feels like it's a natural part of the game um, mm -hmm. and it allows for all the vertical detail to I guess be retained yeah, that was uh, one thing. I didn't want to lose the quality of the actual sprites, any of the data. I wanted to make it look as, you know, as authentic as it could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and an interesting take on it, too, because, I mean, when Nick did his, you know, homemade port of Pac-Man, he took a different route, but he still kept the exact same aspect ratio because he has the maze, you know, filling the entire vertical 225, but then he has the scores and, and your fruit and stuff that normally would have been on the top and the bottom just moved to the side instead. So the maze is still the same aspect ratio, but yours looks more authentic because everything's in the exact right spots. Right. So let's let's go ahead and take it from the complete top. I'm going to take it from the top this time with feeling, and <laughs> um, and we'll go ahead and run it. Now, one of the things, maybe Glenn, you can probably explain this best. Yeah. Um, this this is a little little bit of a a pain, unfortunately. I to make sure that nobody comes up to me and says, "Hey, you know, you you got actual um, Pac-Man arcade code running here, or a trans code of it, anyways." So you you know they want me to take it down, or whatever. I figure I'll copy my butt as much as I can, just like Mame does by forcing the user to use an actual ROM, because part of my code, while well, the actual arcade code, um, does need to be in the uh, game itself because it uses a routine for, for randomness by just uh, looking at specific bytes in the ROM. So if you if you swap out that ROM and just use it, um, you know, random data or whatever, the the um, patterns that um, somebody who knows or the, the way the ghosts move through the maze won't be authentic. So, you know, that has to be there. So unfortunately, I can't, like when I distributed Co um, the Coco 3 version of uh, Pac-Man, it can't include that Pac-Man 5E file. So, so you have to copy that into the image, like you can see on Steve's screen there. So that 
Pac-Man 5e won't be there on the distribution. You'll have to get that ROM and copy it into the disk image. I, I do have um, a little write-up with the uh, zip file I'm going to send out for everybody, so which is a little PDF you can follow along on how to get those files. Most okay, well, Coco 3 users hopefully will be able to copy files to their um, disk images without a problem. But will this be on your blog? Um, well, the link is to... Um, yeah, it will be on my my. my uh, one 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 quick question: Does it require five twelve K or does it run one twenty eight? No, it needs five hundred twelve K. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, right, so I'm gonna go ahead and fire it up. I think it's about one hundred eighty K total data and graphics that are used. So it's it is uh, compressed as well. So once it finishes loading, then um, um, it still has to decompress itself into into. Um, the Coco's RAM, yeah, so there's no way to get it uh, on 128K Coco, unfortunately. Okay, I just thought I'd check in case some of the viewers have 128K. Yeah. Coco's tried to run it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we'll probably... It would work with the old Burke and Burke quarter meg card, the old 256K when the... We started selling that briefly when RAM prices skyrocketed uh, after a fire in Japan. Actually, it wouldn't because even though it's com it's 180k, it's they're separate. Um, you know the memory blocks are are um, separated into you know the whole 512k space. Oh, okay. So it's still spread out over the 512k area. So yeah, even if you add 256k, it wouldn't work. Unfortunately. <laughs> Okay, so right now this is part of the loading process. Okay, Steve Bamford's about ready to uh, join us there. Steve, are you there? Yes. Sorry. Welcome, Steve. Okay, Chris is here. Chris says, I bought that game from Nick years ago as well as Gatecrasher. I still consider that a really great purchase. That's great. Soltis okay. says, yet another incentive to go buy that half a mega RAM. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's almost is, like a cross-promotion for Cloud9's triad board. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Richard is asking, Actually. can you clarify, is it emulating the Pac-Man arcade game CPU in any way? No. It's not emulating the CPU. All it's doing is running the exact same code that um, the Z80 processor ran, but it's the 60, uh, 6809 translated version of that same code. Mm-hmm. But you are emulating the sprite chip and the sound chips, or how does that work? Like, um, just to it's like Donkey Kong, where he emulated those chips, but the main CPU is just yeah, transcode. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's dedicated hardware. So, yeah, the sprite generation is software uh, generated. So, I guess you could say it's yeah, it is emulating that. That's true. How do you that's true. how do you do the translation when the Z80 is really register based and then the uh, 6809 has so much more memory as well as some registers? Um, yeah. Well, what I do is look at the code. If it if it needs a lot of um, registers at the same time, then I'll I'll temporarily dump it to um, some memory space that's in the direct page RAM, so it's a little faster, and um, just uh. You know, do a, a store temporarily and re restore. That's the quick and easy way to do it. Depends on if it's cycle intensive part of the code. If it's really intensive, then it's like okay, try and figure out 
can I use my Y register as another register temporarily? It's it's really um, depends on the code itself. But actually, a lot of the Pac-Man code they didn't use um, the alternate registers that it has built into it. Oh. A lot. There was only a few places where it got um, a little hairy like that. So it wasn't too bad to uh, figure yeah. this stuff out. So you could pretty much map one from one uh, Z80 registers for the 6809 registers. Yeah, a lot. A lot of it was wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So you you refer to this process, Glenn, as transcoding, and I yeah. believe other people have done similar projects, and they just call that kind of a port, right? When you're porting something, is it the same thing, or does it really depend on the process used to com to complete the port? Well, I. I think of it as transcoding because you're kind of like translating the instructions mm -hmm. directly from one CPU instruction to another. Right. And a port, I think of more like, well, it's like the next version of Pac-Man. It's like, I, I understand how the game works and I want to make a Coco version of it. So it's his version of the game. So, you know, it's a really great game. He did a great job on it, but it's not, you know, bite for bite accurate to how the uh, original game was. Okay. That's that's why I call it a transcode. I don't know. Right. And it's I, I agree with that. I mean I mean like Donkey Kong that's that's also a, a straight port. The yeah. Space Invaders that's also a straight port. We um, have I, a load uh, runner that was done. Or a transcode I should say. Yeah, I should say transcode, sorry. Transcode. Uh, yeah. Lo port basically means runner. you're trying to get the end result whichever way you can get there. It's you're trying to get it, you know, fairly close to get the game playable, but you're not worried, like like Lynn was mentioning, about getting everything exactly the same. Like a port of say various games on various systems, like Load Runner was on the Apple, it was on the Atari, it was on the Commodore. They're ports, but they're not the exact same game. The graphics right. are a little bit different, you know, the screen res is a bit different, etc. So right, right, right. Yeah, playability is the same, but it's it's always seemed to me, you know, what's bugged me when when we were kids, it was like. I always had official licensed version of this game. And I always thought it should be like this, you know? It was still <laughs> a port of somebody else's uh, version of the game, right? It's, it's always mm -hmm. seemed like... And back then, I've always always thought, it's like, man, I know the Coco can do this stuff. Why don't they just do it? So with the tools today, at least, it wasn't terribly hard. Well, just a lot of time, right? Sure. Spent on uh, doing it, but... Um, yeah, it's it, actually that's one thing I should mention. Like um, uh, the uh, Donkey Kong version that um, Sockmaster did with 2007. Is, you know, there were no uh, uh, MAME tools and stuff. He had to do that all by hand on a real Coco. It's like holy macro. There's no way I could do this if uh, if I didn't have uh, MAME's debugger. Oh my gosh, that was such a lifesaver doing this because I could actually. Uh, Pull up Pac-Man, my version, and the real Pac-Man, right side by side, and go into decode or debug mode on both of them. Say, why does mine have a certain value at this point, and the and the real one is a different value, you know, and just kind of break it down that way. Like I don't know how um, Sockmaster did that. Holy mackerel! So that you is were just amazing you were as far as I'm concerned. You were debugging the arcade machine and your version side by side. At certain points where things were just not making sense to me or it's like yeah. why why is why isn't this doing what it's supposed to do yeah yeah it came that's, in handy a few cool. times in that that's cool. 
Yeah. Uh, let's let's look at this option screen here and go over. So obviously, sure. the changing the mode from uh, RGB to composite, depending on your output. Um, I am going to set this to use the arrow keys because even though this is written for a Coco, it was designed for a uh, digital four direction stick, and um, it's yeah. very it's very challenging to run sure. on on an, an on an analog stick. So. Um, if you want to play this on a real Coco, uh, another product placement here besides the triad board, you want to get the Neil Blanchard um, Sega adapter and use a digital controller. So for the sake of this demonstration, we'll use the arrow keys. Yeah, now, definitely. I, I um, want to say for sure. I've tried to make it as, as good as it could be on a regular Radio Shack joystick, but it's still, it's just not the same. You really need a digital joystick to play. Yes. Or Red Ball Weichel. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to use. Now, that's another challenge is my, my whole system to capture this through analog on real hardware just decided to go south on me. And so I can't play this on my real Coco 3. I was really looking forward to playing this with my digital adapter and my Wyco stick. But for the sake of this demonstration, I'm actually doing it in MAME because that's the best I could do on short notice. Um, what we're also doing here, which Glenn introduced me to today, is this cheat mode here where you can actually skip through screens. So we'll get to see all the intermissions that he's included here, too. Because if it was up to me to play the game that many times, we'd be here till uh, 2019. <coughs> so, um, <laughs> so we're going to be able to skip levels. And the extended scroll feature is a nice feature as the, as the screen pans to the top where you can actually see the scoreboard up top, too, as well. So, um, and then when yeah. it comes to lives per game, how often you get an extra man, the difficulty. These were things that were available in the actual dip switches on the uh, physical cabinet, correct? Exactly, yep. Yeah. Yeah, most of those cool. options were um, just the straight dip switches that were in the arcade machine. Yeah. So those are the settings. Like, you can you can pick, I think, two, one, two, three, and five men. Um. And here we go. The game is running. And one of the things you can do is I can hold down the A key and I can force it to scroll to the top of the screen where I can see that score. If I let go, it very smoothly scrolls back. So the camera kind of focuses on where the action is. Um, but you can force it to scroll if you wanted to. Like right now I'm doing a hard scroll. We can't see Pac-Man. He's on the bottom. But if I let go, it's going to pan down and the it will pan and follow Pac-Man. And it just does this very fluidly, very um, intuitively. Yeah, that's and that's the extended scroll you have on right now. So yeah. when he is on the top, Pac-Man, you will see the scores on the top. But if you don't have that extended scroll on, then you'll it concentrates just on the maze. So the top is only the maze. But you can always hit the A and Z key to to see the score if you want, or you know scroll to the bottom and see what uh, how many lives you have or what fruit uh, level you're on. Yeah. Hi, this is Dale Lear. TRS-80 Color Baseball. And you're listening to Coco Talk. Let the Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. 
It looks good. I'm going to try to share audio now, too, so you guys in the call will be able to hear it, too. Um, share system sound. Okay. Let me make sure my sound mix is not going to have this too loud, or it's going to drown us out. I'm going to move this down to about 50% volume on the MAME, just in case. I'm not sure how loud it's going to be mixed in with the call. So we'll take a look at that. You guys ready to hear it? Since you're sure, seeing it for the first time, you ready to hear it? Yep. All right. Just like on MAME, you press 5 to insert coin. Now I have to make sure I'm uh, here. I'm on the wrong thing. Hello. Hold on. I got too many windows open on too many screens, and it's hard to keep track here. All right. Here we go. All right. We're going to press 5 to insert coin. Yeah, heard and that. I'll and I'll press 1 to start the game. Or two for a two-player game. Yeah. If you have two credits in, of course. Can you guys hear it? Yes. Yep. You hear now, are you using samples for this, or did you emulate a sound chip in some way? Or <laughs> there are samples. I used MAME again on the real machine and uh, broke down the uh, individual sound. There's an option to actually write the output, the audio, to a wave file. Yeah, I think there's a lot of. What sampling rate did you use? Pardon? What sampling rate did you use? Six kilohertz. That's another. Only limit. Oh, I am limited to two channels of audio. Pac-Man's hard to play three. So I'm often doing a juggling act. Okay. So you guys still there? Yep. yep. Uh, it's the the noise is getting way too choppy with the audio sharing yeah, and all you guys talking. Speaker, so, yeah. so um, I stopped audio sharing because uh, we were you guys were getting lost. Okay, but I am gonna skip. I'm gonna fast forward through um, to get to the intermissions. Okay. okay. Now, Nick, uh, since you're here too and you did the earlier port. <laughs> um, nice. You digitized the samples too, if I remember correctly. What sampling rate did you use on yours? Uh, I think it was about the same, about 7K. Uh, yeah. C Curtis, do you want to repeat your question that you had to uh, Glenn since it probably got chopped off in the audio? Oh, he's probably asking me how I got my samples. Yeah, and then okay. what, what rate you, what samples? Just, rate, just, rate. just run through that question and answer again because I don't think everybody heard it. Sure. Okay. Um, well, I used another feature in MAME where you can output the audio to a WAV file. So okay. when you run run MAME, it captures everything to a WAV file. And um, I, I actually changed the uh, Z80 code a little bit just to break down certain uh, samples so they were individually played. Because the game almost always has that siren going in the background, right? So if you try and just get that by itself, you're always going to get it mixed in. So anyways... Um, I just saved the individual files as WAV files and then just converted them to a format that uh, Coco can play, which is, you know, 6 kilohertz, um, really the 6-bit uh, sampling. Um, and I think you mentioned it's two channels, like you're mixing up the two. Yeah, yeah two channels is the mo most I can do. So um, Pac-Man's hardware can do three. So it's, I'm I'm off I'm often juggling sounds like which can be played at, at any one time. Unfortunately, it's a little limitation on the game. 
because you always have that siren going on in the background. Mm -hmm. So really only it's like, which one can I play besides the siren? But um, when you hit the power pill, I turn the siren off, I believe, for a little while. So you get that little sound for being for when you can chase the ghosts. Okay. And Nick, did you do the same in yours, Nick? Or? Yeah, it's exactly the same. The same? That's what I thought. Except my samples were done by recording a, a real machine with a cassette recorder back in the day. <laughs> cool. And then Digitizing sampling the them. Thing, huh? Sampling them with a sampler on the Coco. Yeah, and you also debugged yours manually, just like Sock did with Donkey Kong. So, so. that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Have <I'd... laughs> yeah, we school here? <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can make it to the third intermission here. I'm gonna. I don't think I've ever made it this far in real Pac-Man. <laughs> I think so it's after the Galactic. Yeah, you should be able to skip all the way to level 255 with this method too. Just keep pressing Y to advance. So I, I think I would guess it includes that weird split-screen screw-up when it wraps level 255. Yeah, um, I did test that out a few months ago before I was um, playing with optimizing the code, um, and I just put in the code. Okay, I'm at level 254 or something, then just skip to 255 or 256. I'm not sure which one it it does that, but it it did do it, and it, you know it gives you that half scrambled screen and everything. I was I was really happy to see it happen. <laughs> cool. Right. Yeah. Not that I've ever gotten close to that in real life, but right. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the um, I remember seeing this in the Target store recently. You can buy a plug and play Pac-Man that's just built into the joystick, and it's got a composite cable you plug into your TV. And and that one has a, a switch setting on there where you can force the game to start you off on level 256. So that game's called like Pac-Man 256 or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just made it to a key. I made it through the two Galaxian ones, a couple of bells, and to the first key. And from all here, right. just the symbols continue to be keys. So yeah, it's got You're all awesome, of Steve. I ain't looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> Flattery switch. will get you everywhere. Who needs patterns? <laughs> It's better than you have the Y key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been handy for testing. Actually, that's built into the real uh, machine machine uh, for testing, I guess, the actual hardware. Something I had to add. It was just enabled. What? They didn't start from level one every time? No, um, the skip the, the level um, button. So there's somewhere in the hardware of Pac-Man where you can actually just flick a button, I guess, and it does what Steve's doing there, skipping the screens. Yeah, it would make sense. Otherwise, you'd run out of testers. Yeah. <laughs> or have very frustrated ones. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then that third intermission just keeps repeating at this point here, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So any thoughts supporting Mrs. Pac-Man now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I'm... I'm totally burnt out with Pac-Man. <laughs> I just didn't know how much of the code and, and the chips and stuff were shared that it might be an easier port where, where you just, so you just you know, add extra maze stuff and you're pretty well done. Um, well, the hardware is, uh, I think, identical. Um, I think the code itself is... I think what I, what I remember reading is the Namco, I think, who wrote Pac-Man, they... I don't know if they lost the source code or not, but... There was a group who was hacking Pac-Man and adding features to it, and Namco had to go to them to create Miss Pac-Man. Yeah. And, and this was just them with looking through the actual original source code, figuring out, okay, let's add another, another sprite here for the food bouncing around the screen, and 
you know, make Pac-Man into a girl, that type of thing. So um, I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, the hardware is, I think, identical. Wow. There might be, I think there's a, like an extra ROM or something. I'm, Maybe there's a little so bit you more. you more transcoding to do then. You do also have to resample. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the sounds are different. But, but. but yeah, well, you know, um, my zip file with Pac-Man includes all the source code. So anybody who else do it. wants to... <laughs> can go crazy. Yeah. Go for it. So I do have in the description to this um, stream here. I have the I have the link to your blog, Glenn. I have the link to the download link that you provided us. Cool. And then to get the Pac-Man file, do they have to get that on their own? The Pac-Man yeah. ROM file. Unfortunately, Unfortunately yeah. yeah. It's the okay. same one that if anybody has Pac-Man for Mame, they'll yeah. have it. It'll be in that set of ROMs that that is uh, used. It's called Pac-Man Don 5e, I believe. Okay. So I just have to get it out of that zip file and copy it over to the disk image well, to play it. It is an it impressive is. feat to have to be sitting here watching this game right now playing out on a Coco. Yeah, it was definitely one of my favorites from the old days. So. And it was cool. Ed Snyder stopped by the chat. Ed Snyder stopped by and said, uh, "Wonderful job, Glenn. Looks amazing. Mission accomplished." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Now, do you have uh, any desire to do a different port entirely, or are you kind of going to take a break from this kind of thing? Um, I probably will take a break, but I, I've always wanted to uh, get Asteroids working too. So that's probably if I do get into another game, it'll probably be that. And that's another processor too, which would be interesting. It's the sixty-five hundred two. So I've looked into it a little bit, and of course it's got the vector-based graphics, but I'm sure I'll just uh, have to do sprites the similar way. But that's probably what I will do next at some yeah, point. Yeah, it'd be good to get. We don't really have a Coco 3 version of Asteroids. I'm assuming you'd use the 640 mode to get you know a more vectory look to it. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, Chris X is asking how many hours of work. I would guess the answer is, I don't know, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy mackerel! It was <laughs> it was six months, anyways, and six you know, months. pretty much. Oh, I don't know, three nights a week for sure. Probably a couple of hours at least a night, because you know, once you get into it, you got to keep going at it, otherwise you forget where you are in the code. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I'm hitting yeah. that in my my project too, where you know, get too busy with work for a couple months, come back to it. What the heck was I doing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah, I'm finally done with it. So I can finally take a break. <laughs> yeah. Play some other, somebody else's games for a while. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like the uh, the new Dungeons one looks kind of neat. Yeah, Karen is. Uh, Karen was in the call. I tried to get him back in here. Uh, Steve, you still with us? Steve Bamford? He's in the chat. Sorry, <laughs> I, had the, I had the mute on. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Steve's with us, Bosco, and this is our first time having Steve uh, verbally on a Coco Talk. Pleasure having you, Steve. Thank you. Yeah. Good stuff. Good. Steve, yeah, just while we talk about Miss Pac-Man. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, I don't know if people uh, listen to the GDC uh, classic game post-mortem lectures that get put up on the internet, but there was an absolutely brilliant one about Miss Pac-Man and the uh, one of the guys who worked on it and uh, it's probably one of the best uh, GDC lectures I've seen 
So uh, if anybody's interested in that kind of stuff, uh, definitely worth Googling. Cool. I'll check that out for sure. Nice company article with the uh, creators of Ms. Pac-Man in, mm -hmm. the, in the Skype chat. Okay. Okay. And, and I think it's one of those game developers conference talks that Nick's games were mentioned uh, by one of the Tier City Model 1 people, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Where what was it? Was it Donut Dilemma being called the greatest Donkey Kong game ever written for the TRS-80? <laughs> by the greatest donkey. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't call yourself an ass, but <laughs> I found I found the GDC link. I just posted it in the Skype chat. Nice. nice. Post post it on the Facebook chat too. I mean, okay. uh, the not Facebook, but the uh, the uh, YouTube, YouTube chat. chat. Yeah, that way you can yeah. save it in the video. Yeah. Yeah. Good okay. stuff. Six months. That's actually not bad if you think about it. Um, six months to pull out a whole game <coughs> is uh, pretty impressive. Actually, you know, um, it was a lot, lot of cool stuff I learned by doing this. I heard about the cocoa. Um, I probably had most of the transcode done within the first three months, I would say, and the rest of the time it's like, okay, let me, let me try. Um, graphics rendering techniques A and then that's still still too slow. Then I'll another month and I'll try this method. So <laughs> man, I think just the graphics itself probably took two and a half months. Wow. Yeah. Just just learning and learning and learning, which but it was great. Like I say, I've learned a lot about compiled sprites, which is a really cool thing that the Coco can do. Yes, it is. And and at some point in time I, I know we've talked about or at least I have expressed the desire to want to have like an official topic where we have just a, a handful of people on here and we talk about it and demonstrate it somehow visually and at, at this point at least we are getting a um a visualization of what the final result looks like because sure when you look at what's on the screen here these look like sprites right you've got foreground option uh, objects that um do not erase the background so we're seeing the end result but it, it is it's it's a it's a really interesting topic when you you factor in the fact that this computer doesn't have sprite hardware. So everything that or we're trying to or a sound chip. Yeah. So everything you're trying to do that is a traditional 8-bit arcade game um, you know all those features we don't have the supporting hardware to do those so it's programming sorcery, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's really yeah, at least that's, you know, I, I figured that out now. So at least if I do do Asteroids, I least don't have to fight with the graphics as much. I'm sure, like Curtis was saying, I'll, I'll use the higher resolution mode. And it's just black and white, which is nice, too. And it's an empty screen, which should help with the graphics for the most part. You know, there's the, just a black background in Asteroids. Right. Yeah. So it'll it'll be more time probably doing the actual transcode for that one. Okay. Not saying it's going to be easy or anything, but at least... You know, like I was saying, I fought with the graphics for this for months, so at least I won't have to do that again. Yeah, and Siren so just posted in the Skype chat. I guess he was working on a Coco One Two Dragon port of Asteroids too. He's got a link. Interesting. Cool. Have you thought of doing a conversion of a arcade game that also uses a six eight zero nine? It saves you a lot of that transcode. Yeah, um, I know. I was listening to the um, Coco talk that Steve had with. The Sockmaster, um, John Kowalski, and he was mentioning that he thought maybe Defender could work. So I haven't looked into it myself, but um, that would be neat. 
you know, like you say, if you don't have to actual transcode and just run the code natively and just do some the graphics and sound parts, um, you know, you know um, yourself. Have yeah. you seen Mark Dougal's Tatankum or Tutankhamun or whatever it's called? I haven't. I heard about it, um, but uh -huh. I haven't looked at it myself. It it actually does run, but it yeah. runs um, side oh, on, so it needs to be rotated. And no sound too. I don't think at this point. And no sound. Yeah. So that might be an easy one to convert for you. <laughs> <laughs> We'll just hand you all kinds of projects. Just yeah, yeah. Well, Actually, Mark, list. <laughs> Mark is pretty cool. He he's uh, giving me some advice along the way too. So because he's he did do some transcoding before I even started this stuff. So, so. it's pretty. Well, cool. He's one who did the Load Runner and the Space Invaders ports. If I remember correctly. Yeah, Load Runner, Space Invaders, and uh, Night Lore. Right. Which is uh, just from another computer system, right? Uh, did you get any insight into the internals of Pac-Man logic and AI and things like that by doing this? Because I know Sockmaster gained a lot of insight. Um, not a lot. There was just I, I, I didn't get too deep into the code unless I had to, like when things just weren't wor working right. Um, I remember, yeah, that that um, Sockmaster saying he fixed like hundreds of bugs in the code and stuff on <laughs> Donkey Kong Jr. Right. To me, it's like you know, if it's broken in the original, I want it broken in the um, my port or transcode. Uh -huh. You know, I, so I, I wasn't fixing anything that I that I noticed that was not working. Um, if it wasn't working, like I say in Pac-Man, then unless, like I say, my code wasn't working in the first place, like it was supposed to, like the original Pac-Man wasn't right. functioning. Right. That that was the only time I would get into the ghost cell. Like I, you know, I know how they chase you. It's you the logic behind it, and, and how how it does go th certain ways and not other ways. And there's time. Actually, there's a few um, secrets about Pac-Man. Like if as soon as you start right in the middle there, if you mm -hmm. go to the right and up and stay there, search, um, uh, the ghosts won't won't get you. They won't find you. Actually, give it a quick try, Steve. Right, you can you, you can hide I mean. in that corner and just stay there forever, but then you yeah. can't play the game. I used to do that back yeah. in the arcade days. Oh, yeah. That's potty break <laughs> mode. Yeah, okay, so let's <laughs> give it a shot. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Like when the blue and, and brown guys are in a certain spot, too. But um, there's things like that, and the ghosts never go up. Where they, where their home is. Come out right here. Yeah, that's it. All right, so you just stay here, and then they will just circle around forever and never get you. Yeah, but um, I think right at this moment, the blue one might, or the brown one might. Yeah, see, you have to do it when they're like the blue and brown ones are down at the bottom somewhere, and then it, uh, then it just gets stuck in some kind of weird loop. Okay, so you gotta play for a few minutes. Yeah. And then, like I say, the ghosts never go up to the top there. They come down where the home is, like right where your arrow is, but they never go up those um, those uh, tunnels. If you go up, they'll never follow you there. Oh, okay. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't realize that. They will if they're, if they're dark blue, like if the power pill's eaten. But as a normal ghost, they, they'll never go up there. They go up there. Yeah. They'll never go up. So they'll come down. So it's one way of like getting them off your tail if they're chasing you. 
doing a doing a bang up job here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get the idea. Yeah. I do want to try to. So I got to try to lure them all out and then hide in the corner. Yeah. Because even now, I'm just sitting here, and they're not coming after me. Yeah, the first maze, they, they take a little while to come out. Unless you have it on the difficult mode, then more ghosts come out at the same time. Go down, yeah. Wait till that... Oh. Yeah, you gotta wait till the blue and the brown ones are down, doing their thing at the bottom. Right. Yeah, it's not the easiest thing to set up, but... It was one thing I noticed um, uh, you could do in the original, so I wanted to make sure it worked on... Um, mine too, which it should, because the game logic is following it all, so if it didn't, I'm freaking out. <laughs> That's the interesting thing yeah, about doing a trans code, it's, it's running basically the same program. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of like emulation, but you're not, emulate, you're not emulating the hardware, you're just converting the software to work on different hardware. Yeah. Well, emulating some of the hardware, you're kind of emulating the sprite chip and the I'm assuming. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, and you can't do it when they're just following you there yeah, either. Yeah, I had a little keyboard glitch there. It was a hardware issue. It was not my fault. <laughs> blame, blame the transcode. <laughs> no, it is. Um, the, the controlling of this is really sticky. Even with the keyboard sometimes, it just like it doesn't want to... Um, We'll see if we can get locked in this corner one time. So if somebody knew all the patterns, they could try to use the patterns and play this game. It should work, yep. Exactly the same. I'll have to get Millie, Billy Mitchell onto that. Yeah, right? Um, I think one of the things yeah, I should have used him for my tester. Right. I think one of the things you showed off you in one of your earlier videos was you, you did the side-by-side -side comparison. Just mm -hmm. the... Um, the, the refresh rate of the Coco versus the Arcade was that this started to slow down a little tiny bit because the Coco was at a even 60 hertz and the Arcade was like 60.6 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, 61 hertz, so it's every second yeah. it's got yeah, that so extra Yeah, so even right screen. now, I'm stuck in the corner and they're never <laughs> going to get me. Oh. All right, I spoke too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you get the idea. Yeah. That's I have to say, I'd really like to see Billy Mitchell try with the original black Radio Shack joysticks if he wants a challenge. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Bill Noble, co-author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. You've been hearing all the buzz about Tandy Assembly. All Radio Shack and Tandy computer models under one roof. It's happening October 7th and 8th in Chillicothe, Ohio. Don't miss our guest speakers, including Don French of TRS-80 fame, game designer Lance Nicholas, and Scott Adams of Adventure International. Make your reservations today. Call 800-542-7919 and ask for the special room rate for Tandy Assembly. But hurry, the rates are only good through September 5th. Tandy Assembly. Some assembly is required. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, one of the organizers of Tandy Assembly. We look forward to seeing everyone in Chillicothe, Ohio. I wanted to take a moment to talk to you about one of the great events at Tandy Assembly. That's the no minimum bid auction. First, all of the auction items are donated. 
All proceeds from the auction will go toward the cost of the event. The auction is a great opportunity to get some big bargains on unusual vintage computer items. It's also a great deal of fun to see people, sometimes best friends, trying to outbid each other. We certainly hope you'll join in the fun at Tandy Assembly. As I said before, all of the auction items are donated. If you have any items or duplicates in your collection that you are willing to donate to the auction, we would certainly appreciate your donations. Just bring them to Tandy Assembly or contact us through our webpage, www.tandyassembly.com. Thanks, and we look forward to a great time with everyone at Tandy Assembly. That'll prove his metal. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I tried to make it work as well as I could, but really, the only way to play it is with a digital joystick or a keyboard. Just I, I think the deluxe, like an auto-centering joystick, wouldn't be too bad. I've gotten so used to it. I mean, Nick always told me it's impossible to play Popstar with it, and I have no hmm. problem. So I think it's just whatever you're used Maybe. to. I, I did try, because I do have a deluxe one now, next to Neil Blanchard. So. Yeah. Still, it's really frustrating. <laughs> yeah, the old black one would be bad because I don't know that auto center. The yeah. black beauty. Yep. <laughs> Nothing beautiful about that black beauty. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. Uh, what was one of the hardest things to, uh, one of your biggest obstacles to overcome, would you have to say, if there was a single one? Uh, well, I think, like I say, during the transcoding, there's just certain um, things it was doing that I just couldn't get around. It's like, why isn't my code working? It looking, it's like it's all looking the same. Like I, I run, I run a program that would do a quick and dirty transcode of the instructions that the Z80 does, like from a disassembly, and um, you know, it turns it into a 6809 compatible type code. And it won't run from that, but it really gives you a good um, idea of what the program is doing, and that's where that's where I start from because I, if I just look at straight Z, Z80 code, I'm totally lost. Mm -hmm. So at least this, you know, this turns it into 6809 code, which I can follow, no problem, right? So then it's like, okay, um, I don't convert this into exactly what the Z80 version is like. like you know, I'll have to look up the instructions on, on the Z80. What is it exactly doing at that step? You know, try and break that down. So I guess that was probably the hardest part was like when certain things just broke. And, and sometimes, actually, the hardest, hardest or the biggest bugs were when an IRQ hits because, because um, um, the IRQ hits and it, something happens in the background at the same time as that affects things in the foreground. So it's like a memory might, one even one byte might get changed here by the IRQ, which you're not aware of, and it's like it just throws everything out of whack. So those were always the biggest ones that that were hardest to um, fix. That's where MAME comes in really handy because you can actually have it stop on each IRQ. Yeah, exactly, and uh, watch points are amazing. It's like, why is this byte changing? When is it changing? So it's, yeah, it's like I say, it comes in so handy. You're basically, you're you're putting your code under a microscope. It's almost like looking, yeah, looking into the matrix, and you're looking <laughs> yeah. at the software. It's looking at the processor's RAM while yeah. the machine is running, which is not really otherwise possible on real hardware. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, just freeze time and see what's going on. It's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, uh, and so when we talk about um, 
So when you did your work, did you, did did you do your compiling on the Coco, or did you do cross compiling? No, it's all done through uh, LW Tools. So it's okay. all on the Mac itself, and then I test with the emulator, and then once it gets so far, then I'll you know put on SD card and use the uh, um, Coco SDC and run it on my Coco to to find yeah. do a final test. So Somebody's yeah, trying to call me on the Coco Talk group. Sorry to interrupt you. If you're trying to call in, you need to call me directly, guys. Yeah, it was Simon, I think. Yeah. Uh, it is neat. Oh, so you know what? I got to run. I'm actually late. Sorry, All right, Glenn. Glenn, thanks for being here. Can't thank you enough. And so this was the world premiere of seeing the official yeah, final okay. release for public version of this. There's a link in the description, and I'm sure there'll be more to come. Thanks, Glenn, so much for being here. Well, Thanks, Thanks so much for making it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Yeah. Hope you have fun with it. Bye. Yeah. Uh, and sorry, and I cut him off right now as I was trying to uh, answer Simon's call. Um, so he was mentioning he used LW Tools to do this, which is using, uh, I guess, a modern way of compiling software getting on the screen. And it was it was a brief conversation that um, Steve Bamford and I were having this morning as well. So I don't know, if Steve, if you want to add to that. Steve's working on a project right now, and he is also doing um, kind of a hybrid where he's doing his code on a real computer and then putting that into um, XROAR in this case here. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I think my biggest problem is time, really. Um, the project I'm working on is kind of a back burner project. I tend to work on it in like half hour stints here and there. Sometimes might get an hour, maybe a couple of hours. but uh, my setup needs to reflect the fact that I, I don't have a huge amount of free time. Um, so yeah, I just use Notepad++. Uh, you can define a language in it so it, it uh, highlights everything, you know, the um, instructions and keywords and so on. Uh, I use a, a batch file to um, call LW, to, uh, well, LW ASM. And then that that kicks out a binary. It, it, it uh, it's pretty fast. It it basically takes less time for you. By the time you release the key, the hot key, it's already kicked out a binary. And then I have, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And um, then I have uh, XRAW open at the side of me on the second monitor. And uh, I just it's just uh, Shift Control L just brings up a file requester, I click on the binary, it just copies it straight into memory and executes it. So I don't have to create a disk image or a, a mount a disk image or any, any of that stuff. And it, it's, it's, that's how I work. I, you know, I can literally just change a couple of lines, press a key, bam, and it's running. You know, it's, it's, it's really good. I've got to say, the, to the people who make make the tools, and Kieran's, I know Kieran's here, who's done extra, you know, amazing job. Really good. And William Assel is the ones who did uh, LW Tools, if I remember. The LW Tools, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, weirdly, when when I first sort of got interested in in trying to do something on the Dragon after after you know thirty odd years, uh, I just didn't know if what was happening, you know, whether there was a community, whether there was people interested. And I came across Kieran's page first. That was the first thing I saw. And uh, so I sent him an email just out of the blue, and I didn't know whether or not I'd get a response or not, because sometimes you contact people and, you know, they don't really want to know. But Kieran got straight back to me, really, really nice email, pointed me 
uh, uh, LW tools. He's also got his own assembler, but I think I'm right in saying at that point it was you could only really use it on a, under Linux. And I explained I was a Windows, uh, I was running Windows. Uh, so anyway, it was that first interaction with Kieran which which really got me on the uh, you know on the on the road to sort of working on Flagenbird really. So yeah. Bosco, my team. Hey Simon, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, good. So, uh, what are you up to? Me? Yeah, you. Uh, I was just explaining. I, I, after Flag and Bird, I started a, a, a sort of back burner project. Uh, it's been kicking around way too long, so I'm, I'm trying to wrap it up now. But uh, um, I've reached a point because because I'm making the thing up as I go along. I, there's no plan. Or anything. I'm just sort of adding features, and if I think they make the game better, they stay in, and if I think they make the game worse, they get taken out. Um, and the point was just to have a project where I could learn to program, because I, I don't program in my uh, working life, and I haven't really played with computers since uh, I was about 12. So uh, it's you could say it's maybe easier learning assembler when you don't program because you haven't got to unlearn ah. anything you know. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, it does. Definitely. So, you know, if you've got no preconceptions about how something should or shouldn't work or, you know, it, you just accept everything as, okay, this is, this this is, is how you do how it. You do. Yeah. So, and uh, I mean, to me, uh, the actual language is, is incredibly simple. Um, Writing a game is much harder, depending on how complex you want to go. But I think that's true whatever language you try and write. If you try to write a complicated game in basic, it would be the same, you know, trying to figure out, okay, so how do I, how am I going to do all this? You know, how am I going to structure it? And so on and so on. But, you know, in terms of the actual assembly language, I, I don't think it's that difficult to pick up. Um, I think uh, interfacing with the various chips, you know, when you want to do, you know, certain things, that can take a little bit of thought and, uh, you know, probably harder to get your head around. But just the basic logic is, is pretty straightforward, I think, to pick up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, so um, I took a version of, of my project to uh, Cambridge and it sort of became obvious to me at that point that it's, it's I've took it as far as I can without uh, rewriting certain parts of it um, mainly to sort of give me more memory back because because I keep throwing things in in the way that I'm doing it you, you, you burn through memory very quickly but once you begin to get an overview of what you're trying to do you, you kind of then say oh you know there's a much better way of doing this so then you have to kind of strip stuff out and do it again properly. But as I say, it, the point of the project really was just to learn. Um, and if I got a fun game out of it, that was a bonus. So I've probably done way more work than I should have done up to this point because I've put stuff in and took stuff out and rewritten things over and over. But every time I rewrite something, I, you know, I'm, I feel I've got a better understanding of it's, a, it's, a, it's a learning process. It's a learning Absolutely, process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You write something. You write something. Oh yes, it works. And okay, will I just accept the fact that it works? No, I won't. I want to tune it, and I want to tune it. I want to tune it. I want to keep tuning it until it works as best as it can. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the only the only thing you've got to you've got to watch for, I think, is when a project kind of runs too long. Uh, with the best win in the world, you begin it begins to become a bit, you, you know, you become jaded with it. Yeah, I can imagine. No, yeah, then that. you never finish it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, you've got to kind of manage your motivation. You tend to wander off into something else, you know, because it's all right. Oh, yeah, I'll get back to that. I'll get back to that. Yeah. Do you get back to it? Yeah, I have yeah. the same problem just doing YouTube videos sometimes. I'll start doing a video <laughs> on one thing, and I'm like, okay, well, now I want to do a video on something else. And like, I took a probably nine-month hiatus on programming in BASIC only because I got distracted with Minecraft, you know. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty easy to have that happen. Um, yeah, and even our Coco Talks are like that because we'll have a little bit of a plan sometimes. And we're yeah. talk about this, and something else comes up, and then we totally ditch the original plan. Yeah, yeah life happens, and sometimes life gets in the way of things. Um, I want to take a quick moment here to acknowledge some people who were who were talking in in chat earlier. Chris X was commenting on how we were talking about the control was a little bit off, and he says, "I'm assuming that's part of the way reading of the joystick is programmed." Ed Snyder says, "LW Tools is great. LW Asm is an awesome 68 and 6309 assembler. I use it for those uh, CPUs." Davey Mitchell says, "I think my first Pac-Man game was Dragon Data's Ghost Attack." Sixties uh, says, "Shutter." I really liked Racer Ball. <laughs> Solstice comes into and says, um, "I've also uh, I've used LW Tools on my own to learn." Uh, it's on my to-learn list, I see. Okay, yeah. Uh, reading is my third capable skill. Uh, yeah, very cool stuff, though. This Pac-Man is nothing short of him. Every, everything that people pull off on the Coco is kind of nothing short of amazing because uh, people are doing some cool things with the color computer, for sure. Uh, Bruce, how are you doing, Bruce? I haven't heard too much from you today. Who, who me? You, Bruce, yes. Speaking of doing things on the Coco, how's your project coming along? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little distracted at the moment because I'm actually coding. I'm actually oh, coding. coding. Yeah, yeah. I'm adding some more uh, music. Um, um, I had some help with Simon on some uh, more graphic um, stuff. And okay. I see the, the end of the tunnel for Forest of Doom. It's really close. And then I have to see if I can hold myself off from adding more to it. Right. Feature creep. Feature creep. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I got one more thing. I think, yeah, I should add this bit, but I'm trying not to do it till I get everything else done. So, oh, see. Sounds like you need a project manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still deliverable by July 31. <laughs> it's it's still, I still hope to have this done this year. Uh, yes. You know. That'd yeah, be great. Done and out, and and then see what happens, but. Now, do you know what uh, format you're planning on delivering it in? Is it going to be digital download? Are you considering a cartridge, or is it um, is it going to be free? Well, is it going to be for sale? Uh, well, um, you know, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it done, like no cartridge, for now, and then and then uh, and then I'll talk with John and see. Okay, what would it take to do? Because you know he's saying you could do a limited edition. Uh, John Linville, you know, you could yeah. do yeah. another release and like. Well, when it's done, I'll probably be itching to do another something like that. So we'll right. look into that then. But um, I'm actually, I'm actually. Oh, well, I shouldn't say anymore. I shouldn't say anymore. Okay, don't say anymore. <laughs> this, yeah, I, I don't want to promise something that I then look dumb when I don't do it. So okay. Yeah. And you wouldn't be the first one. Yeah. Hey, there's Simon. Hey, Simon. 
Yeah, we've been uh, burning up the airwaves or the the internet bits yeah. uh, over the last little bit. It's been great. Simon should get a gold medal for everything he does to help everybody else out as well. I think yeah. so. <laughs> Crowdfund me. <laughs> get me to Coco first. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, I, I, we didn't start off with our usual, how's everybody doing, what's going on new this week, because Glenn had a, um, a, a brief period of time he was available, so I'm glad we got to Glenn's segment first. Um, I also, I, I don't know how well this is going to work with the audio sharing, but I thought it'd be interesting to do part of the um, listening to the podcast, too. Um, but before we get to that part, uh, I, I figured now that we are, are done with our main segment, uh, and we have done a, a little bit of uh, updating on some projects, uh, how is everybody doing this week? How has your week been? Well, what's been going on since last week, and anything you want to share with us in the world of retro or technology or just that you might think that we will find interesting? Who wants to go first? <laughs> well, uh, let, me, let me throw one little thing in there, and then I'll be quiet again. No but uh, just just while you know, just in the last five minutes, I finally managed to use uh, the paste feature with Mame. So I found ah. a long string of music code from a public domain thing. I thought, oh, I want to use this in Forest of Doom, and I was able to copy it and drop it in. And this is like, <gasps> that's amazing, fabulous. Um, it is. Very exciting. It is exciting and. I have actually gone to the dark side slightly. I'm actually using the mess UI because it has a little menu bar across the top and pasting is one of those options from that pull down menu from the top of mess UI. Um, so yeah, it is very cool. Uh, I'm looking at possibly doing something like that too. The next time I want to use fonts, somebody had sent me a whole bunch of fonts in a comment to one of my YouTube videos. So if nothing else, I want to just try to copy and paste it and run them to see what they look like. And I may even want to use them in a future project if they're better or more comprehensive than my own fonts are. <laughs> this, some of the modern miracles we have now with being able to, with using emulators and cross-development and all these other things like that. And um, I'm sure there's different schools of thought on doing this. There's probably different philosophies for doing this. Um, uh, you know, I know Nick did his stuff as uh, just about as old school as you possibly can. And um, that's definitely very cool and very admirable. But like uh, what Bosco is saying, Steve Bamford, if he's got limited time, if he can take a shortcut to and speed up the development, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, there's many ways to do it now, and we're all going to yep. kind of find our path to doing that, which is pretty cool. And I'm kind of in the middle because I do mine where I'm actually doing the assembling and stuff on a real Cocoa with a real assembler, but yet I'll use the MAME debug tool if I'm getting stuck and it's just taking me too long to find a bug. There you go. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, so uh, it's 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 an exciting time, man. It just really is. And uh, what, what we can do with the real Cocos and what we can do with all of our emulators and other tools to help us get our Cocoa projects done quicker it's it's really cool stuff and we this has been probably one of the most watched coco talks right now we we were up to like 19 people watching us live which is a pretty good number we usually have you know between 8 to about a dozen so we've had a pretty good consistent uh, viewership on this show too so that's kind of cool everybody's excited uh, about pac-man Hey, Mitter Waffle, how are you? Mitter Waffle says, hi, Stevie. How are you, Mitter? Uh, so who else got anything they want to talk about that's going on this week that uh, they just want to share or that we may find interesting? 
I'll throw in one little tiny thing. Um, I've been working on optimizing Rescue and Fractalus, which I'm, some of you know. Um, Nick's been bugging me because the Atari version and I think the Commodore 64 version, when you take off from the mothership and you're going down the planet, has a parallax scrolling effect with the stars and the planet. And the Coco version is just everything's the same speed. And it always bugged me looking at the Commodore and the, and the uh, Atari versions because, to me, the parallax is opposite what it should be. The stars are scrolling faster than the planet, which... In real life, that wouldn't happen. It'd be the other way around. Right. And, and Nick away. been bugging me about it for a while, and I actually finally found there's just a one byte patch on the original one, where you can change it to do what I would call proper parallax scrolling. And I've actually put a little uh, video of the original and a little video of a patched version. Now this is not the optimized one, so it's still pretty slow. But I threw it up on the Google shared drive there if you want to take a look. Greetings, YouTubers. Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Every Christmas. Santa's little helpers go shopping at Radio Shack. Got a computer too. A unique idea. From Radio Shack. And you can play uh, QuickTime format. Let's see. I see that. So which one should I pull up for? Rescue Landing par uh, Original Move. Okay. Yeah, original would be the, the stock version you would have bought in the store, which has no parallax scrolling at all. All right. Now, because it's a move file, what can I open this with? That's QuickTime. I don't know. That's just what my screen captured it. VLC. VLC would play it. My Windows Media Player is able to do it. So hold on one second. Uh, let me switch over to full screen. Uh, I need to move this off the screen now. Okay, can you guys see this? Can you see the screen? I can see it in yep. Skype. So, so. Yeah, okay, so I'll try to share the system sound. Is there sound to this, Curtis? No, don't worry about sound. Don't worry about your sound. Okay, so I'll turn off system sound. Okay, so so this is the original unparallaxed, right? Okay, and here we go. You've got beautiful warping colors here. Woo, 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 woo. Okay, here's the stars. And these stars are scrolling evenly with the planet. Yeah. That's an even scroll. Which I believe the Apple II version did as well. And maybe the Spectrum okay. Amstrad. All right, so that's done, right? Yeah. All right, so now we're going to try the next one. Which now, I should is... mention this next one, because of the way I changed the speed, it's actually slower looking. I've now optimized it. It's actually faster than the one we just looked at, but still has a parallax effect. But this is just a one-byte patch to the original to change the, to have parallax. Okay. So here we go. We're warping. There's the stars. The stars are, seem to be moving a little bit slower. Yes. And so now the stars are going behind the planet. <laughs> they have parallaxed. Nice. Yeah. And I think it looks better than the Atari one, which does the parallax the opposite, where the stars are going twice as fast as the planet. That just never made sense to me. Yeah. That is actually pretty cool, Curtis. So thank Nick, actually, because he bugged me about it for months here, and I finally did it and found it was just a one-byte patch, so I don't know why I didn't do it in the first place. Okay. And now to get him to put the starship in. Oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> got his to-do list. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I've got. I could do it, but I would have to probably skip some of the digitized sound I want to add to it later. So, 
I'm probably going to favor the sound. We'll see. If Very I did cool. the 128K requirement, I probably could. Uh, anything you can update us with, uh, Nick, on Gunstar development? No, I haven't done too much. It's been a very busy, hectic uh, time at work, so yeah, I've been a bit devoid of cocoa activity of late. Okay. Hope to uh, get back into it soon. Uh, that Karen, darn real life is getting in the way. Karen, you had mentioned something in the Skype chat. I don't know if you want to share that with anyone as well. No, Karen's still there. All right, we'll get back into that. All right, so let's do this. Uh, I am going to, I have no idea how well this is going to work, but we're going to try it. I am going to try to pull up the Coco Crew podcast, and we're going to see if we can't play it, or at least if we will, um, we're going to definitely look at the show notes and see what the show is about this week. So let's go back to uh, full screen. All right, so can you guys see my screen okay? Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, you're actually, you're not really going to need to see the screen here in just a second. So what I think I'll do in Skype to minimize bandwidth for you guys is I will stop showing you the screen in favor of, of, of sharing the sound. Okay. So if you want to see what's on the screen, you might have to pull it over to, um, to uh, YouTube. But so here's, I just pulled up the show notes for the Coco Crew podcast. What is the full length of the Coco Crew podcast? It is a mere two hours and 16 minutes today. So this is like a half-size show. Uh, yeah, they're, feel, they're slacking this month. I feel a little short-changed by this two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour show. What's going on here, guys? <laughs> 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 so they, they start off with some announcements. Uh, what's going on? Uh, what's coming up as far as events? So Canvas Fest is in July 18th, etc. Then we get into news, and so the news starts at uh, 28 minutes into the podcast. Oh, we also have the official date of Coco Fest 27. That was also released in the newsletter. We should probably go over the newsletter too. Um, so the 27th annual last Chicago Coco Fest will be April 21st and April 22nd in 2018, which is next year. That's pretty good. Yeah, and um, in the same location, which, same which was location up for grabs this for a year. bit. Okay. Uh, as far as the news items that are going to be discussed, and maybe we can just pick a particular news item too if we want to um, go over that. Um, so we talked about the Radio Shack auction uh, where they're auctioning off all the Tandy stuff. Um, General Wireless planning to sell Radio Shack trademarks, Darren Grant. Uh, Cambridge Dragon meetup photos. That's actually probably worth um, doing a screen share with. So let me... Uh, let me turn back on the screen share for just a second, if you guys can see the camera. We are not doing the audio yet. So there's a couple links here to um, some of the Cambridge stuff. So this is kind of like the UK version of, we'll call it Dragon Fest, right? So this is, <laughs> you like that? I just came up with that on the spot. Um, that's Dragon Fest. So, uh, and I think Bosco, you mentioned you were there. Uh, Karen, were you there as well? Kieran was there. I don't know I if was. he's on this call. Oh, sorry. He's. <laughs> I wasn't. I is. You was and you is. So it was good. It was good to to, to meet all your various peoples. Right. How do I? Is that the one that had some of the prototypes too? Of like some of the unreleased ones. Oh yeah. Um, Simon Hardy. 
brings along his alpha and various other people bring along alphas and betas and things it's quite cool yeah, the one with dual 6809s I was quite quite enamored with that one that would have been really nice all right, here's all our pictures here right so yeah this is kind of like a dragon fest here right so this is the Cambridge was this a first inaugural meeting yes okay and we got people working on dragons. Yeah, I, I, I okay, here is what this was like a multi core dragon. This is like the motherboard that supported multiple CPUs. If I recall, me yeah. seeing that picture. Yeah, is I think that, that one had there, the Steve? two. Uh, okay, Return of the Beast. Um, we saw that one last week. This looks like Steve's new demo here. <laughs> um, kind of the platformer. Uh, your program you're working on there, that looks cool. Uh, we got a nice dragon still sealed in the plastic. That's a beauty, eh? Uh, look at this one, a, a Dragon 200? Yeah, Dragon 200. Wow, well, that, that's a beauty. <laughs> um, we got screwdrivers out. It's always a good time when the screwdriver's broken out, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, lots of lots of cool stuff going on here. This is uh, if you're into retro, this is retro heaven right here. Uh, that was one of the um, photos. What was there another one? Uh, Cambridge Dragon Meetup. Was there another one where they had a second list of the Cambridge Cambridge Dragon Meetups? I'm not sure about that. Okay. There's some videos too. I know they did when they were interviewing about the Dragon Alpha and a few others. So also in the in the news segment, they um, talking about Mini Lisp, a Cocoa port of Mini Lisp. Lisp is a programming language, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stone Raider Two, a JavaScript retro remake, remembering the micro adventure books of the 1980s. New interpreted language called Chip 12 and a basic compiler for it. That's interesting. Um, Arabian Rhapsody retro game. Okay, that's the Jim Gary thing. Actually, any of these things here, we could pull up the link for too, right? So, um, Master Maze, Jim Gary. Jim Gary's been busy. Computerized astronomy program, Jim Gary. Yeah, a little. Okay, so they have one of Glenn Hewlett's um, Pac-Man three update updates. A Z80 based Raspberry Pi lookalike. Uh, uh, Coco Mini Piano. How people used to download games from the radio. That is interesting. Um, Adding characters to the C64, it looks like a sound chip thing. He's got me mentioned here on some of my get and put um, blog stuff, I guess I guess the blog and the video for that. Um, update to the FPGA Gimme project from Ed Snyder, I'd like, actually like to see that real quick. Um, updated FPGA Gimme project, we've had a lot going on. Uh, so this time is in short supply, but this one is definitely in development. I believe it's an initial proto. Oh, I guess this is the original posting he did, and then uh, so June 9th, so that's relatively new. Um, hopefully, we can soon get the actual hardware and start getting some of these FPGA code developed. Just need to do a thorough review and get some P PCBs ordered. So this is going back to June 9th, which is about a month ago when he posted that. Um, all right, so that's a project, and I wish Ed was here right now. He could chime in on that. Uh, talking about the gimme. Uh, a discussion about the 256 color update. These are, okay, so these are, yeah, some of the Facebook discussions that have happened in the past. I think we've gotten kind of an answer from that one from Steve Bjork, basically saying uh, the only way the Coco 3 was going to leave the factory is if it cost less than a Coco 2. So I guess those features didn't make it to the final uh, assembly. 
That's kind of cool. Um, Boise Pete. So <laughs> remember Boise Pete asking this one at Facebook. Say I was trying to find this game where you could reveal the uh, uh, the, the picture of the woman in the background by solving the puzzle. Puzzle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. I think he mentioned at the end of that segment too that he was severely disappointed when he finally got to see the result twenty years later. Ah, <laughs> uh, meaning that Coco just did not do um, uh, a risque photograph the, the justice it deserved. I think just the picture in the in the game itself. It was by Britt Monk. Uh, it was an independent <laughs> thing he sold on his own. Same okay. guy did 3D Breakaway, 3D Breakthrough, I should say. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Poppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk. Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and when you're done with Coco Talk, if you gotta have more cowbell, then head on over to my YouTube channel for your share of gameplay goodness. There you will find over 1,300 family-friendly gameplay videos. Everything from the old school to the next gen, and over 200 color computer gameplay videos, as well as interviews and replays of Coco Talk. So if you need your share of gameplay goodness, then check out the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh on YouTube at youtube.com slash OG Stevie Stroh. So, uh, yeah, it was just, we had to guess the number one, two, three, and if you guessed right, it would drop a, you know, a panel off, and if you guessed wrong, it would go back up. And you could never win the darn thing on its own. So we actually used the MAME debugger to figure out where the branch checked to see whether or not you'd hit the right key, and he just modified it to always be right. So you finally got to see it. Gotcha. All right, well, let's see what we can do here. Okay, I have system sh sound shared. We're going to try Coco this. Coco Crew Podcast is Can hosted by Cyber Ears. Yeah. If you're serious about your podcast hosting needs, you should check out Cyber Ears. Whether you're a podcaster, a radio host, a musician, a narrator, an audiobook author, or simply a school, church, corporation, or anyone else with an audio recording that needs to be hosted or distributed, you should check out CyberEars.com. Unlimited bandwidth, fast, reliable, and rugged servers. Has anybody had a chance to hear the podcast yet? Because I haven't. This will be this will be a first for me. No, nope. I have. You have? Yeah. Did it meet your expectations, Curtis? It's very short. <laughs> it's only it's two and a quarter hours. I mean, what what were they thinking? Two and a quarter <laughs> hours. I guess they're running they're running short on the uh, reduced price Canadian labor. <laughs> I think you should get your money back. Eight dollars been going up too high, so it's not so cheap anymore. So. With no hidden fees. Cyber Ears, your audio, your terms. Let's hear what the opening song is. Ooh, it's a new opening song. Please listen carefully. Go, go. This Mike Rowan's a genius. Welcome to the Coco Crew Podcast. A delicious adventure into the world of retro computing news and information. Featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Hey, you got your Coco 3 yet? Coco. Welcome back, Coco Cruisers, to episode 25. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> 
We're joined uh, this episode by a couple of ringers. Uh, one, uh, uh, well, both have been on the show before. Uh, Mr. Boise Pete. Hello, Boise. Hey, John. How's it going? <laughs> good, good. And uh, from coming to us all the way from uh, from uh, the halls of Glenside, <laughs> Mr. John Mark Mobley. How are you doing, John Mark? Hello, everyone. I'm doing fine. <laughs> awesome. And, of course, uh, uh, we're joined by our, our normal, uh, uh, former friend of the show and co-host, Mr. Mike Rowan. Hello, Mike. Hello, everybody. My uh, voice is kind of rough because I was screaming at a Justin Bieber concert last night. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is understandable. <laughs> you can talk at all. Uh, and, of course, Mr. Neil Blanchard. Hello, Neil. Hello, John, and everybody listening. Nope. And I, of course, am uh, uh, John Linville, as I mess up my own name. <laughs> All right. So, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we are uh, progressing through the year again now. Uh, and our next Cocoa Fest is uh, coming up in uh, just 10 months. It is official. There will That's be another Cocoa Fest. It's uh, already been booked, is my understanding. Isn't that right, John Mark? That is correct. Yeah, we're already awesome. booked. And, um that's going to be, what, April 21st, 22nd, and 2018. That'll be in the announcements in a little bit. And, of course, the Tandy Assembly, uh, I was counting down. It should be four, but I was thinking it's closer to three months away. Wow. So, <laughs> so who's going to go to Tandy Assembly right now that's with us right now? And Bruce, are you going to make it? Curtis, can you hear muted. me? Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Okay. He might be muted because he said he's coding, so right. probably don't have got, typing. Sorry, you, I'm yeah, I'm here. No, Tandy Assembly, no. No, I'm not going to okay. make you do that. So if you stream it, I'll certainly watch. There you go. Um, can you guys hear the podcast audio okay? Yeah. yeah. The podcast audio is great. It overwhelms you when you're trying to talk at the same time, but it's great. Yeah. Okay. That's probably only on Skype, though. It probably is not going to be that uh, bad for the stream. Yeah. Also, uh, I want to ask a question. Are, are you planning on streaming the whole thing or just pieces of it? Uh, I I don't even know. Because um, that... I was just thinking, like, they probably want to make sure their counts keep up, so I don't think we want to do the whole thing because then people just listen to here and they won't get any counts on their downloads. Say that again? I said we probably don't want to play the whole thing on here because then people would just listen to it here and they wouldn't get any counts on their downloads for people oh, downloading. Oh, I them. see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I see what you're saying. Don't listen to the whole podcast here. Yeah, um, leave something for the, the the listener to go want to you know get the rest of it. <laughs> right, 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 right. I see what you're saying, Curse. You know, every now and then you might make sense. I try. You Somebody asked you. Right. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's let's go over the uh, show notes again. All right, let's see if there's anything here that we want to pull up from the show notes that we can talk about. Even though I haven't finished listening to the whole thing. All right. So we looked at the Cambridge. Dragon meetup photos. That sounds pretty interesting. Um, mini Lisp. Interpreted language called Chip 12 Basic. Uh, oh, wow. Look at this. These are some interesting looking pictures here. It looks like they're... Click here to download Q... Okay. So, Chip 12 is an interpreted programming language developed by my brother Gilbert about 20 years ago. Gilbert wanted to write a Chip 8 also an interpreted programming language developed by the late Joseph Weisbecker for the Intel Microsoft Assembler. Uh, exactly what is an interpreted programming language? It's an easy programming system. <laughs> okay. I mean, just by looking at the screenshots here, it's looking like um, 
You can do some interesting things with it. There's actually some some obby files on here. Are you uh, sharing your screen right now? Because I'm not seeing it here. Oh, okay. Hold on. There we go. There we go. I am now. <laughs> okay, so this is running in DOSBox now, Qbert. So what is? Okay. So uh, I'm not sure if this demo was written in this programming language that they're doing here, but this looks pretty damn good. You guys can see it? Yep. Uh, it looks actually better than the arcade version. It's a lot more colorful. It even looks pretty smooth. Yeah. All right, so that's an interesting little project right here. Twip, chip 12 and Chip 12 basic compiler page. So, uh, pretty cool stuff there. Um, what else here is on the news that you guys think we should pull up here and look at? Okay, we, 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 we I think we've already got the Pac-Man 3, uh, uh, Coco 3 Pac-Man update, so we can skip that one. Let's take a look at this Z80-based Raspberry Pi lookalike from Hackaday. Here we go. This is called Z-Berry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. A Z80-based... Okay, homebrew computers are the in thing these days, and the Z80 is the most popular choice for making one on your own. <laughs> it's called the Z-Berry. Uh, <laughs> that's cool. Let's, let's look at the uh, video here. Oh, it's got a little screen on here. You can see it oh, yeah. up and stuff. Look how small it is, because that's the PS2 keyboard connection on there. Yeah. It's so tiny. Yeah, John's been talking about this Hackaday website a lot. I think I probably need to start watching this website here, Hackaday. That looks pretty cool. Uh, Game Master Cartridge Command Line Demo. Okay, we saw that one. Uh, vintage ROM Emulator for Atari 2600 Development Kit on the Apple II. That is pretty cool. <laughs> what is this here? Okay, so Trump has ordered the government to finally stop working on the Y2K bug. <laughs> the administration eliminates reporting requirements that were related to preparing for potential IT disruptions back in 2000. Are we still, uh, have we still been <laughs> watching this? Well, John was speculating because, I mean, there's there's the Unix timestamp bug, which is based on the number of seconds since January 1st, 1970, and that okay. kicks in in, what is it, 2037 or 2038, so there's still some potential fallout from that. I don't know if that was related to this, and that's just, they've encompassed the whole thing as a Y2K for any date related thing. But, yeah, on the actual Y2K bug, it's, it's kind of 17 years too late now, guys. Yeah, right. You had your chance to fix it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that scare. Everybody's like, take all your money out of the bank. Have all your cash yeah, on bank you. Yeah, machines will fail and planes will <laughs> fall out of the sky. <laughs> Here, here is some feedback that they received this month. Um, I think the Coco links that you were talking about was Marcus Bloomerk's a fellow Saskatchewan. Oh, that's you, Curtis. Uh, Saskatchewan? How do I say that? Okay, whatever. Candy <laughs> color. We'll leave that one to the foreigners to pronounce. Uh, okay, so trace mode. We're talking about using trace mode. 
uh, command V just run XROAR and you get standard uh, reg X's to find things you're interested in someday I really have to do that. okay that's Karen's uh, response there waiting for your podcast each month is what it used to be like in the 80s waiting for the Rex the next rainbow magazine yeah that's that's a great um, that's a great compliment right yep uh, here's here's my response on the note of news and announcements. Not only you're keeping everyone informed on a large variety of things going on each month, but you also provide some much appreciated validation to what people are doing, which is very true. Um, I, I th- yeah, Steve Bamford and I were having this conversation a little earlier before we started our show. You know, it's just like there there are so many people in the community that are doing things, and I believe that all of these different efforts are. Um, I think probably inspiring people and motivating people to to work on projects, you know. Um, I know for me, the Coco Crew podcast has been a huge um, kind of shot shot in the arm to keep everybody interested in the Coco and in Coco Fest and everything else. So um, it's good. So yeah, I so I think Curtis has got a good point that you know anybody can listen to it on their own, and we want their download counts to be. Um, reflective on the actual listens they get so we won't we won't play the whole podcast here but we can definitely talk about it I have not had a chance to listen to it yet so I will try to listen to it this weekend and maybe have some more follow-up topics to discuss that's that's everybody here's homework right now between now and next <laughs> Saturday make sure you've listened to the podcast and you have uh, you know it needs to be double spaced um, on a clean sheet of paper. I need an essay and a book report, and we'll have. Uh, <laughs> inscripts it, right? Yes, inscripts it. <laughs> so we'll have something to talk about next week for um, for Coco Talk, uh, Coco Crew Podcast uh, wrap up discussion. Uh, I think one nice thing about both both the Coco Talk and the Coco Crew Cod Podcast is they can feed each other because one's a yeah. monthly and one's a. Yeah. A weekly thing yeah. where we can kind of, you know, we can mention things that they've talked about and, and guide people to go find them. They can suggest stuff that gives us stuff to talk about or follow up on. I think it really helps that it, it kind of feeds each other in the community. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. The nice thing about our show is that we can literally just kind of wing it each week. And, um, and do. And we do, yeah. But um, it's a different format, right? So this is video. Um, this is live. It's interactive. Um, you know, it's uh, there. There are pros to this: the real time um, and having being able to answer somebody's question in real time. The downside is, is it doesn't have the structure and the format and everything else like the the podcast does. Podcast is a very well formatted show. You know, you also can they can get a bit more in depth because they're not trying to wing it. They can you know, do a bit of research first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, which is alien to uh, us. Now, one thing I wanted to mention, and this this had just struck me actually after listening to the podcast, which is for me was just a day or two ago, uh, because they're not video based, and we have the games corner with Neil. I was thinking one thing we could do a follow up on is have you play the game that Neil picked that particular. That's a great idea. And I've often thought play about it that. And kind of have his commentary running over top while playing it or something. Take take Neil's game corner and turn it into a video. Yeah, just basically that we can do a follow-up for them saying, here's the game he was talking about. Because, I mean, one thing I've always bugged them about is that the game's corner, unless you're playing an audio-only game, it doesn't really give you much to look at. Yeah, yeah. It's an auditory uh, magazine article. Yeah, it's like reading a review with no photos shots of the, yeah. of the game. True, true. That's a, and that's this a great way, Neil does all the work of picking the game and describing it, and you just have to play it. Yeah, he did all the hard work. 
Uh, Grant Leedy says that's a great idea too. So you've got Grant's approval. So uh, all in favor, say aye. <laughs> I would say it's a good idea. All, all opposed. <laughs> and what was it this month? This month was Shock Trooper, right? Yeah. Which, uh, which I have played, but I need to find the uncracked uh, version of that to um, to play it legit. If you listen to it, they did a whole intro of it, like making it like a movie commercial. Oh, okay. That's a you Mike want Rowan. To that little segment there, because that was pretty good. Hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Hey guys, Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com, featuring hand-drawn custom designs and pixel art by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. We've got the brand new official Coco Talk t-shirt, I'm a Coconut t-shirt, and all kinds of other cool video game and arcade-related artwork. Check out 8bit256.com for all your retro swag needs today. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, well, they have timestamps on the yeah. thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be just before his review that the thing is. I can't remember. So maybe okay, before so that's the time. at two hours and thirteen minutes. So yeah, we'll go. Yeah, we'll go somewhere right around well, there. It's that's that. If that's actually Nick's review, then the actual segment they did with Boise and everybody else is actually is hosted by. All right, so let's get to around two. Now, see, I can't convert. Okay, so hold on. So two hours would be 120 minutes, and then it's what did we say it was? I don't know. So then it's going to be about 132. 132, 135, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Expecting me to do math right now. Let's see where we are right now. Radio Shack. Unlike games, it has real computer keyboard. With the TRS-80 color computer, the whole family can. I I should have found the actual time of value for you. I I have a feeling. Yeah, that's John Mark Mobley there. One, so it should be one. What did we say it was? One twenty-two. One thirty-six eighteen, I think. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. One one thirty uh, one. Yeah, if you if you want to make the distinction between, um, uh, you this know, using numbers talk here. Uh, to to yeah. to. Yeah, if you, if you want to make this so right after that is when they did the little Coco podcast. Movie Dang it. This this really sucks trying to Pretty do cool. this from the web thing. <laughs> yeah, you almost want to download it and use a real player. Yeah, I'm going to download it right now and put it on my desktop because trying to scrub through it on the website is Yeah, it's not really designed for that type of, you know, precision. Yeah. But yeah, it was very the... very well done. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Especially if Mike Rowan was involved in it. He was. Um, uh, that's one downside to the MP3 format is not really broken into chapters where you could just hit, you know, skip track and move ahead. That would. Well, be if you read something like Audacity, I think you can actually tell it to go to a specific spot. But I don't know what you're using for your player. All right, well, I'm just going to be using um, whatever <laughs> shows up with. Okay, here we go, right here. Audacity can run it or something else too. If you're serious about your podcast okay, so hosting needs, all the sound that really can do is it's got the one bin like that. But oh, no. the, the other thing I was impressed with people complain that they're a little too expensive. Right, a cocoa game. I'll follow up because 
Well, that sounds that's the end of the rest of the show. Why buy just a video game from Atari and television? Yep. Invest in the TRS-80 color computer from Radio Shack. Unlike games, it has a real computer keyboard. With the TRS-80 color computer, the whole and Mike still does amazing computing at home. Plays great games too. Under three hundred dollars, the TRS-80 color computer only from Radio Shack, a Tandy company. All right, everyone, welcome back. This is John, and we're here with kind of a mini tech talk. Not going to go into too much detail today. Um, just wanted to kind of. That's not it there, right? So we'll move forward. Is that 212 that we say it was? Uh, two, yeah, 212 or 213, roughly, somewhere around there. I'm not sure if it was then, part uh, of the Neil's yeah, thing. Yeah, my or opinion, you're already kind of, uh, you're already. All right, so we're going to scrub forward a little bit forward. Can you guys hear it okay? Yep. This is the alien's newest attack ship. There we go. That's yep, Mike's room, so i got to go back. But I'm going to keep Very my well opinion done. on that one to, to myself for now. Um, here we go. And so here we are. Uh, this is the Coco crew. Uh, so uh, let's just say Coco forever and be done. All right? So we'll get on with the rest of the <laughs> show. Forever. Thanks. New from Carriage Return, New Line Cinema. Good morning, Major. Sir, why was I brought here? What you're about to hear is classified top secret presidential. What is this place? This is where you'll train. Major, the war isn't going well for Earth. This is the alien's newest attack ship, the TRG-5. We need you to infiltrate the alien base, steal the core components, and then return them for analysis. Pay attention, Major. Your suit will absorb radiation, but only a limited amount. There are three decontamination chambers in the facility. It's critical that you reach each one if you want to live. We only have four weeks to prep for this. What do you need from me? Your best, Major. Major, do you hear that sound? That sound means you're dead. Too much radiation. Reset your suit and try again. Why did you pick me? Because I think you're the best man for the job. Because we've only got one shot at this. What if I fail? Then we all die. Coco 13. Welcome back to Neil's wow. Corner, hidden away near the end of the podcast. Yes, just like the back of a magazine, just without those sketchy advertisements. Well, I'm sure what you can guess I will be reviewing this month after hearing that most amazing commercial. Yep, you guessed it. Shock Trooper. I was seriously going to talk about Shock Trooper in the near future, but that commercial just got me in the mood to do it now. <laughs> All right, here's the breakdown. Shock Trooper. It was programmed by Rob Shaw, right in the smack-dab middle of the 80s, in 1985. It was published by Mark Data Products. It requires a Coco 1, 2, or 3, with 32K of memory, and a joystick. It can be loaded by cassette or disc, or any of the new fancy storage options we now have available for the Coco. Shock Trooper is an arcade-style platformer-type game. It has static screen boards, and several of them for each level. On each screen, you want to destroy the power generators that are creating a radiation force field. These force fields are blocking your path on certain parts of the board, and you must stop them before you can continue through. To make the game even more challenging, there are dead zones where your gun doesn't work, 
and when you do use your gun, there's a time limit of how long you can use it in one instance without absorbing too much radiation from it. Along the journey, you also rescue humans as you progress through the game. I've always liked this game because it has a strategy puzzle element to it. I spent a lot of time playing this game back in the day, and I still play it from time to time now. I put this game up as a benchmark game for the Color Computer 1 and 2, as the graphics are incredible for a Color Computer 1 and 2 platform, and the sound is just amazing. At the risk of sounding like a geek, well who's kidding who, I'm definitely a geek, I used to load this game up sometimes just to hear the intro music. I even had my Coco wired into my stereo amplifier and would crank it up. The music you just heard in the commercial for the game is the actual music from this game that was sampled in. I was seriously surprised when Mike and Boise made this commercial a few weeks ago when they were at Southern Fried Game Expo. It was a real treat getting this in my email out of the blue. The best mm. part was Mike didn't even know how much I liked the music in this game. Huge props goes out to Mike and Boise for pulling this one off. Now I'm sure you want to go give this game a spin. If you don't have it in your collection, you're in luck. It is available on both Color Computer Archive website and L. Curtis Boyle's Coco Game website. I also just noticed a mention on, on uh, Curtis's website that a cheat code exists for this game, but it has been removed by request from the author. Hmm, I wonder what that code is. Well, that's all for now. Until next month, game on and Coco forever. Myro? It'll catch on. Myro? It'll catch on. Myro. Myro. It'll catch on. That's that's my thing right there. Myro. Do you remember that? It'll catch on. I posted that. I said, we're going to call Mike Rowe and Myro. It's kind of like a J-Lo thing. Myro. <laughs> It'll catch on. <laughs> Myro. Myro. It'll catch on. It'll catch on. Maybe it won't. Now that you hear it five times in a row, right? Myro. <laughs> catch on. Well, we find ourselves once again at the end of the podcast. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I got to listen to the whole show now. That's good. Yeah, it's true. Like, I have, there's, there's been certain games that um, Neil Blanchard talked about that inspired me to want to even take a look at them. Like, the Contras was one of them. It's a game I had never heard of before, but after listening to him talk about it, it made me want to play it. So I think that's a great tie-in there, too, is to take whatever game um, they talk about, and we'll, we'll try to do it on the next closest Coco Talk to the podcast. Yeah, and they're mentioning in the Skype chat, a few people mentioned it's probably a good idea to see if we can get Neil on for that, and he can actually talk over it with you and discuss the game. And I yeah. can actually shut up for a change. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice, getting Curtis to shut up. Anything <laughs> you get Curtis to shut up is always a good thing. So, <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Well, anything else we want to talk about, or do you want to, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have a short Coco talk to honor the short podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was I was really enamored with it with the way they did the commercial as a fake movie thing and and yes. with Boise and all the sound effects and the voices and it, it almost felt like a Halo Master Chief type thing you know it was just really good very well done yeah mm -hmm. yeah so want to go and play the game now yeah yeah yeah. It's prop well, yeah, the whole you, group for that one. That was that was good. He's done a bunch of those commercials. When you listen to his commercials, his commercials definitely are better than usually the games themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's even done commercials for serious stuff. Like he takes an old rainbow ad for like you know Super Color Writer or something, and then yeah. does a commercial based on it. If we actually had commercials like that back in the day, the Coco probably would have sold a lot more. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. I love I, I love the one where he talks about come on down and get your CM8 monitor. <laughs> <laughs> 
We need to get Mike Rowan on here sometime too. Um, so let's talk about what we might have coming up possibly next week. So I have also uh, was contacted by a guy from the color computer community. His name is Jay Cyril. And it's not Jason Lee from Australia. This is a guy in the US, but similar name, uh, Jay Cyril. He does cocoa development. He does he stuff uh, with uh, mess and on the cocoa. And so he um, wanted to show off a lot of tips and tricks for using the mess UI um, yeah. to do all kinds of cool stuff with the cocoa and get floppies inserted to it. And he was going to show a little bit of the debugger and a little tiny bit of like, you know, some assembly stuff. And so it'd be kind of a good um, kind of crash course on, on how to run Coco using the mess UI and some of the advanced uh, properties and menu options and other tweaks you can get through that. And then not necessarily a how to program an assembly lesson, but just kind of showing a quick demo and like let's let's print hello world in basic and let's print hello world in assembly and then let's see what it looks like in the debugger in main while we do it and stuff like that. So I thought that was a pretty good suggestion. Yeah. And so we might have him on next weekend. He was working this weekend. So if that's the case, then it'll be nice to have another fresh uh, face to the talk and uh, just more content to share. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking of, talking about the crossover with the Coco Crew, is actually have the Coco Crew as a whole, as a guest to interview, just you know, talk about their history of the Coco and stuff. Yes. What yes. inspired them to start the podcast? Like, why did they foolishly think people would actually want to listen to it and that kind of thing? So. Right. Also, uh, Grant uh, is mentioning in the, in the chat in, in YouTube there that uh, we haven't covered the Glenside newsletter yet. Okay. Well, let's do that. Let me find it. Because that was actually a good one. It was well, not that not that any of them were ever bad, but it was <laughs> uh, it was particularly jam packed with just lots of stuff. So it was an yeah. exceptional newsletter. So let me see if I can go back and find it. Ah, I also see too. I just checked. I just checked my email from Grant. So Grant's uh, <laughs> Grant, I'll be shipping out your cocoa today. Thank you for the PayPal. Um, okay, let's uh, let's see if we can find that newsletter now. Hi. This is Mark Overholzer, and you're listening to Coco Talk, the nation's leading weekly live talk show about the Tandy Color Computer. Hey guys, original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're listening to Coco Talk, chances are you're interested in the Color Computer. If you'd like to find out more about the Color Computer, then visit my Coco Links page at imacoconut.com. There you will find communities, podcasts, YouTube channels, project sites, blog sites, hardware, software, buy, sell, trade, you name it. So for all things Color Computer, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, coconut. Dot com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Okay, did anybody respond to my posting? Okay, Carlos responded to my posting. Okay, I guess I'm going to need to do a search at this point now here. News letter. Glenside Coco 123 newsletter. There we go. And we're going to pull it up. I've got it open. Let me switch over my software so I can share the screen again. Thank you, Grant. All right. Can you guys see it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. I don't want that. I don't want Let me make sure I'm not double streaming right now. Good. I'm not. Okay. 
So here's the latest Color Computer, uh, uh, Glenside Color Computer Club newsletter. Here are some of our members, Tony Pedraza, uh, Chris Hawks, Bob Swagger. Is it Swagger? Swagger. Swagger? Okay. okay. Richard Blair, Brian Goers, and John, and John Mark Mobley. Okay. So this is the club that puts on Coca Fest, for those of you who are not aware. Can I make this bigger? There's got to be a zoom button here, right? We'll make it a little bigger. So it's taking up more of the screen. There we go. Okay. Coco123 newsletters. Oh, now it's too big. Oh, no. I know I zoom back now. I'm zoom back one. And you notice this okay. is their 37th year publishing the newsletter. Uh, volume 37. Yeah, that's insane. That is a long time. Okay, now I have everything on here. Okay, so we have president, vice president, treasurer. Okay, there we go. Coco3 information is newsletter. It's uh, $15 a year. Contributions. Okay, who contributed to this issue? Rick Adams, Neil Blanchard, Brendan Donahue, Salvador Garcia, Brian Goers, Chris Hawks, Glenn Hewlett, Mark Marlette, John Mark Mobley, Tony Pedraza, Mike Rowan, and Bob Swagger. Swoger. So yeah, there are a lot of people contributed to this month's newsletter as well. Okay. From the President's Platin, this is um, Tony talking himself. So, this is it, the 27th annual La Chicago Cocoa Fest. The point is booked. That's the Heron Point, right? The hours are the same as 2017 for an extended time of fun. The dinner will begin catered by Porky's. That's good, right? We've seen an upturn in attendance again this year with people coming back to the Cocoa and new faces springing up all. A fun time was had by all. This is about the fourth year someone has asked about credit card payments or PayPal, and we are finally looking seriously at gaining that capability. Well, you need to just get it done. Don't look at it, just do it. It's not that hard. Um, and what else? Uh, thank you for your suggestions and patience. Read the meeting minutes for more information. I can't th thank you enough for the no minimum big auctions. They're always fun. Uh, uh, what does it say here? I always want to consider that an item should mean something to you. If you have an auction addiction, please call 1-800-STOP-ME-NOW. <laughs> I think that was for you, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did mention how we had our, our, um, our co-host auctioneer this year as well, which was pretty good. Jason Timmons or Timmons? Timmons, I think. Timmons. Okay. So, yeah, it was nice having an extra auctioneer. Hey, Drencore has joined us. David Paco Otakte Lad Drencore is in the chat. Um, I don't know if he tried to call me on Skype because I can't see it right now. I have my other screen full screened in here. Um, uh, David, if you want me to bring you in, let me know or just try to call me again. I'll keep the, win uh, the screen where I can see it. Uh, okay, so let's move on to some more of the stuff. Treasury notes. Okay, we don't need to know how much money they have right now. Okay, uh, Secretary's Notebook. Okay. Bob Swagger. This is the last time I'll be writing Secretary's Notebook for the Coco 123. I attribute this to complications and poor health. I began visiting Glenside around 1985 as a reporter for the Motorola Color Computer Club. I had been using the Sinclair computer since 1980, but it was the camaraderie I experienced with Ed Hathaway and the folks at Glenside that kept me coming back. And this is Bob Swagger. Right now I must pass Lodgy Coco on to John Mark Mobley and the Secretary Baton to Richard Blair. So so Bob is passing the baton after being secretary. Um, but Bob's doing better. I actually got a phone call from Bob not too long ago. So he's definitely doing better than he was uh, prior good to, to hear. Uh, Coco Fest. Yeah. Um, talking about some of the award ceremony stuff that happened at Coco Fest. 
Um, Glenside gave out seven trophies. Uh, what do you call it when someone throws a dollar coin into a bucket? And a, an eight-bit bucket was the answer, and Rick Adams won that um, uh, trophy for that. I think Brian, that was Rick, because in Canada be a loony bucket. So Okay, yeah. So uh, Belle uh, Brain, which is Jim Brain's daughter, got a trophy for the most innovative exhibitor with her printed circuit board's earrings. They were nice. Um, what else did we have going on here? Alan Huffman got a trophy as a Lifetime Achievement Award for videos, pictures, and software. Rich Blair got a trophy for being the money record tracker at Coco Fest, and we had a vote who would get the last trophy, and it was Steve Strobridge. He won for his YouTube videos. All right. Retro innovations. Here's what Jim Brain has to offer. Here's the Coco flash cartridge. All right. We've been talking about this a little bit. But I just thought that it was so good to see all these pictures and all these products in this newsletter, yeah. right? Um, Currently in production. This is the and it has Orchestra, Orchestra 90. 90 built in too, which is uh, I'd kind of forgotten about to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Eight megabyte flash cartridge with Orchestra 90. Um, uh, now currently in production is the Coco Sound. It's stereo general instruments, um, AY38910 chip tune cartridge with 512K flash ROM and four digital joystick ports. My goodness, can you squeeze anything more into a cartridge? Right. That's a retro innovations project. What else we have here? This is his expander. Um, okay, David Ladd is now calling in. David Ladd. So the expander is a multi-pack replacement, nearly finished. Um, Coco Link is a RS-232 pack functionality with additional speeds up to 230 kilobits. That's pretty damn good. That's twice normal speed. Yeah, that's the old max speed. Yeah, yeah. This one I thought was interesting. Seeing a memory um, expansion that plugs into the gimme socket. And so here's the add-on RAM here. So you don't have to cut any capacitors or anything else like that. So Coco Mem. And this has got two megabytes of RAM. It plugs into the gimme. No soldering, no clip leads. It's in development. That I'm really looking forward to because the, the original two meg upgrade, you had to like desolder the CPU and solder a 40 pin header onto it, and then put a DAT board on top, and yeah. you know boards of RAM and stuff. So that's a that's a much easier way of doing. Yeah. It. So here's a dumb question. I think somebody answered it, but somebody else might be wondering this too. So for the sake of anybody else, um, on a Coco is RAM RAM. So if you've got a two meg, does that mean you automatically have the 512k that a normal RAM has? There's yes. no difference in RAM. You have well, you have two meg of it, obviously, and if you have software that knows how to deal with it, you can use all two meg like Nitrous Nine can. But it's basically for RSDOS software, it's a five twelve K. Okay, but as far as how the RAM is addressed by the CPU and by software and things like that, there's no difference in the five twelve. There's one one small difference. Um, the MMU registers you can write to as if it's just two meg or five twelve, but reading them back, unless he's changed it on the way this one works. Uh, you, it only reads back as if it's a 512K. So if you're in the second bank of 512, it'll return values as if it's in the first bank. So software will have to keep track of which 512K chunk you're within, which Nitrous 9 does automatically anyway, so it's already doing that. But I know it did cause some compatibility problems, like originally the King's Quest 3 and Leisure Suit Larry and the Sierra games. If you try to run on a 1 meg or a 2 meg Coco, it wouldn't run properly because it was trying to read the MMU directly instead of going through the operating system and it was returning as if it was just a 512k machine but yet your program might be up in the 1 meg or 2 meg area and it would actually crash okay so if somebody has not done a 512k upgrade to a to a coco 3 and this product was available this is another alternative to possibly doing the triad board 
Yep, going all the way up to two meg. Which, right. uh, if you're a Nitrous Nine aficionado, that's a lot. You can throw in RAM drives in there, all kinds of stuff, and still have a ton of room. A ton of room for extra windows. It, I, I, we used to run a one meg and a two meg at, at work on our you know monster Coco Three, and we couldn't have lived without it, to be honest. Yeah, we would not have made it in five twelve. So yeah, this this definitely looks. This is this, and and I know some people. I, there was a Facebook posting recently saying. Well, what are the benefits to upgrading to 512? What are the downsides? If I ever want to return it to stock, how hard is it to return it to stock? And this addresses all of those things because you don't have to cut anything. Um, You don't have to cut a capacitor. And so if you want to return it to stock, you would just pull this out. But my question would be was why the hell would you want to go backwards anyways? I have uh, no idea. (laughs) uh, Other than if you're just thinking about wanting to sell it. But I think Mm. if somebody wants to buy it, they're going to want to buy it with as much upgrades as possible the fact that you had to break the warranty sticker to get in here to add it you know i don't think that that's a speed bump to reselling a cocoa the fact that it got upgraded if, if there's no i think holes, it'd be a bust if anything it, yeah it's, it's actually yeah it's it's a more it's enticing a, thing and one um, thing i wish would happen ed snyder's working on the gimme replacement jim's working on this you know two meg that plugs in the gimme socket i would like to see some sort of a combo so you can get this extra gimme with you know some of the extra features that he's planning to add on once the full emulation's done, but also allow the two meg without the soldering upgrade to make that one product. So just put the new gimme. Well, I mean theoretically, because this is a pass through, you could probably just plug Ed Snyder's new gimme into this, anyways. I think one of them had mentioned that it might not fit under the case. Oh, because now it's too tall. Because yeah, Ed so, Snyder's is not flush. It's got basically uh, yeah. some extra baggage on the side of I, it. I would really like to see it. Like that would almost be like a mini superboard that you know Mark's been working on for yeah. a while. So, but being able to have your RAM massive RAM upgrade as far as Nitrous Nine can use with no soldering, which is the big problem yeah. it had even originally, and then also having a, a souped-up gimme with some extra features all combined into one upgrade would be just awesome. Right. Right. As long as we don't make it a Coco Four now. Because <laughs> that's just crazy talk. Coco three plus. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, to to make it have been around since Disto did it way back in the nineties. So, right. so uh, Coco Nick, another great little Ethernet adapter for the Coco. Who'd have thunk that? Right back in the day, you didn't plug in your color computer into uh, an actual network. Well, actually, there were boards around. Motor, or, uh, Microware had a couple of them that they had actually written drivers for. Um, Alan and Boise found them when they were working there. There was some Ethernet boards for the Coco back at Microware when they are developing OS 9. So they never got sold. Okay. <laughs> but they were around. And it's not a far-fetched thought then at that point, huh? Here we're hey, talking just- about... Go ahead. Sorry, I just want to interject. Flipping through this makes me reminds me of the old looking through the old Rainbow magazines and all the stuff that I couldn't afford. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that part hasn't changed. No, I'm just this kidding. is new stuff that we can't afford, right? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Roger Taylor's DE uh, Zero Nano Hardware Project. This is the um, the Cocoa on a Chip project that I know uh, Bill Noble's been working a lot on. Yep. Uh, Actually, Alan I just see him running it just a few days ago, so that was nice. Yeah. Um, talking about John Linville's Game Master cartridge, which we got a chance to listen to a little bit of yesterday, and here's a link to the YouTube video. Um, the Coco VGA board that's still being developed by Brendan Donahue and Ed Snyder working on with that. It's a good-looking piece of hardware here, too, when you see it sitting in there, you know? Um, that's soup up your Coco 1 and 2 because now they're adding, like, you know, color modes beyond what the original Coco 1 and 2 had and stuff too. So. Right, 64 column text, all kinds of stuff. 
Um, Neil Blanchard's hardware project. We were see this is a picture of Brendan's uh, Coco VGA showing off the artifact colors, doing a pretty good job there. Um, Neil Blanchard's projects. I was hoping to use these today if my capture stuff didn't go sideways. But yeah, this is the Sega Joypad adapter, which allows you to run like an Atari style or Sega style joystick on uh, on a Coco. Yep. Um, and this is a Coco to Dragon converter. So if you've got, I guess, the six-pin joystick that you want to plug into a five-pin Dragon, you can do that without cutting a pin on your controller. Uh, good stuff. Uh, there's the adapter. Protector for your CPU. So this goes in line between the 6309. This, this prevents... Um, this prevents what the CPU from getting overshocked by having too much voltage come back in it. This this is the problem. Yeah, with the it basically protects the, the CPU from you know various things that can cause it to blow up. Yeah. So. So we want to avoid the Ford Pinto syndrome if if at all possible here. Right? Yeah, don't so. cheap it up. <laughs> <laughs> the Cloud Nine Super Expectro uh, VGA adapter. This is if you want to plug in a normal Coco Three into a VGA display. This will. Take your RGB output and then run this through to a VGA monitor, and it's got a handful of physical switches where you can do artifact yep. mode and a few other things like that too. It's really nice because you don't have to have the separate cables for your composite to get your artifacting colors plus your RGB. You it just is a switch, and you're and you can switch which artifacting mode you're in, etc. So it's one plug-in, one connector that can play everything. Yeah, nice. Um, here's the triad board. So if you have not upgraded your Coco 3 to 512K, this is an this is a solution that's available today. Um, PS2 keyboard interface. This is like the Cloud9 catalog we're getting into. I went to the Jim Brain catalog to the Cloud9 catalog. So this is the PS2 interface where you can um, put this passively in line between your Coco keyboard and uh, have an output to plug in a PS2 keyboard to your Coco. Um, a DOS adapter where you can change um, um, DOS ROMs on your hard drive controller. Drive wire, mini flash, Cloud9 mini flash. This is a, I guess Jim Brains has got a lot more flash capacity now than this one does, right? This has got um, 64K, where this has got what, 512 or something else? Yeah. It's an, it's an earlier version. It was basically, I think, so you could have like ADOS and you could have RS DOS and JDOS right, and you can right, have right, these right, alternate right, DOSs. Right. And some of these things are things we've discussed at least a little bit by now, like the bomb threat game. We have definitely talked about this for a bit, but this is nice to see this in the newsletter and have Rick um, contribute to the newsletter telling the story of, of the original bomb threat game, how he developed it. Uh, Radio Shack didn't want to buy it. And of course, they didn't tell him at that time that they were going to the Coco 3 and they only wanted Coco 3 games. Um, he lost the floppy disk. He lost the source code. He lost the program. Found the cassette tape. Uh, rekindled the um, relationship with wanting to do that game and now he's working on that game and last thing we saw is it's it sounds like it's almost done other than some sound things he's got to tweak out of it right now right so that's been uh, that's been a nice little um, journey to see how that goes the Glenn Hewlett's Pac-Man was mentioned which we just saw now the um, the official unveiling of and uh, this was kind of cool here too to watch these computers play chess against each other. So with watching a, a TR80 Model 4 play against a Coco. Uh, look at this, Glenn. Um, this is the Coco versus the TRS80. Uh, Popstar Pilots uh, T-shirts are available. That's I wonder who sold those. What's that? <laughs> I wonder who sold those. Yeah, shameless. I wonder. Let's plug. Um, Popstar Pilot was on display. 
as well. Yeah, and there's a link to Nick's blog for Popstar Pilot. Uh, this was the adventure game, Get Lamp, Go West, right? That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Get Lamp, Go West. <laughs> that, that's the, uh, what do they call it when you're role-playing oh, live? Uh, LARP. 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 Live-action yeah. role-play, yeah. yeah. There you go, with a real lantern. Yeah. All right. Right. Here's Evan Wright with his with um, uh, adventure game. Um, okay, there's Curtis. Look at you, Craig. And there's, there's Jacob. That, that was when I was working on getting the source code for uh, Bomb Threat back. Ah, oh, neat, neat. And in the background here, I can see Tim Lindner. I can see William Astle. Um, there's Jacob Moore wearing his Force of Doom shirt. I just got to sneak in one quick question here because I've yeah. got some chatting going back and forth in the various chats here. Uh, Nick Morentes, are you still there? Yes, I've just microphone. come back. <laughs> okay. Um, I got a question from somebody that's got a PAL version of a Coco 3, and he's wondering, does the Triad board plug in exactly the same there? Like, is it compatible? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, it does. Okay. Uh, because it plugs into the standard 512 um, memory expansion connectors, uh, those connectors are the same on both NTSC and PAL. Okay, good, because uh, Siren was asking about that because he hasn't got his upgraded yet, and he wasn't sure if it was compatible with the PALs or not. Yeah, and there was no. some board layout stuff's different. I couldn't remember if that was one of them. I think the capacitors are different. Um, you still clip the capacitors, but I think they're numbered differently. Okay. Well, they can bug you about it if they have questions. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Steve, go right on ahead. <laughs> okay, 1-800-CALL-NICK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have one of these 3D printed cases here of the Coco that's designed to fit the Raspberry Pi 3. That is a neat little thing right there. I'm still... Can't wait to get my Pi 3. There's Jacob Moore again playing Donkey Kong Remixed. Uh, there's the Force of Doom display looking really nice. So this is like another Coco Fest wrap-up, which is you can't have enough Coco Fest wrap-up, right? That's right. Uh, Forest of Doom. <laughs> there's the trophies, right? Forest of Doom on a laptop. Nice. And uh, Michael Rowan set this up. It's a 300-baud bulletin board system. It's configured like this. Computer to modem to telephone simulator to modem to computer. <laughs> that doesn't That's at all easy. sound complicated. <laughs> <laughs> because Coco. <laughs> Why do yeah. we do these things? Because Coco. Right. Uh, that is something else. Tandy assemblies on the horizon. It's hard to believe uh, three or four months away. Um, Glenside still meets in person. That's kind of cool. Oh, you know what else I wanted to pull up here that I'm going to show you guys? Because there's something else that I saw that I thought was pretty good. And it's got they got links to everything. So, yeah, um, Glenside's Color Computer Club. If you want, you can get the newsletter from there. I've got a link to Glenside on my website, which is uh, ogstevestro.com. And you click on the, on the Color Computer page. There's links to everything. And on their newsletter, they've got links to um, a bunch of other stuff here, like all the VCF East. Here's all the information on how to RSVP for... Um, the next Coco Fest, a 14-page newsletter, just chock full of community content. Good job, Glenside, for doing this. Uh, much appreciated to everybody there. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Stroke.
Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stro. You know, gameplay goodness. To get your very own Gameplay Goodness DVDs featuring color computer games played by the original gamer Stevie Stroh, visit 8bit256.com and grab yourself a Coco Gaming DVD today. That's 8bit256.com for all of your Gameplay Goodness needs. So there was something else I wanted to show which was um, in Facebook uh, in the uh, Floppy Days podcast. So there is uh, something that Randall Kindig put together, uh, kind of a little community thing that he did right here. This is So they, so they kind of created their own little com uh, computer club and uh, had a little show and tell thing, and I guess they got together and it's possibly, uh, so they're calling this the Indie Vintage Computer Club, right? And so basically he, he kind of organized this and got some people here. This picture looks rather small. All these pictures look rather small. Uh, they look bigger on my phone. Uh, let's see if there's another posting. I remember looking at this before, but I and, and he means Indianapolis, correct? Indianapolis, right? Not in, okay. not like in uh, indie dev, like, like indie games thing. or something. Yeah, yeah. indie yeah. games. Just want to be sure. sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's see if I can find that. Was that the first posting? This is this. Is there another posting to that? Maybe not. I mean, I just I remember looking at this, and the pictures did not look that small. I guess these pictures were taken from a phone, possibly. I don't know. You could try it's, using options, download it, and see if you get a bigger size, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, yeah. All right. So there was a handful. Okay. That is that is that Popstar Pilot in the background? It looks like a Coco Three of Popstar Pilot because I think Mike Rowan yeah. was in attendance here. Um. Yeah, so a couple of different systems here. So it's kind of cool to see a handful of different retro systems. That looks like an Atari 800 there on the right. Um, a handful of different systems. So just kind of getting people together and, and bringing out. So instead of waiting a whole year for like a VCF East or Midwest or whatever, you know, to get a little kind of neighborhood computer club together and bring out your old hardware and show it off is kind of cool. Um, and let's see if he has some more notes in here as far as who all was here. Um, I know in one of his other posts he had mentioned this in a little bit more detail, and I'm having a hard time finding that post now. Uh, that had listing of all the people who were in attendance and whatnot. Let me see if I can just scroll back just a little bit further. Uh, calling for speakers at okay yeah here, so there's a vintage computer meetup for the Indianapolis area is next Saturday June 24th so that was him kind of putting a call out on the Floppy Days podcast Facebook group see I just thought that was kind of cool is uh, just you know seeing people seeing people get together you know it's always a cool thing hi I'm Mike Rowan and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Stroh and when you're done watching come over and listen to the Coco Crew podcast. Hi, this is John Linville and Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Stroh play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. Roger, Coco One downrange, three seven eight nautical miles. Coco One, you are go for MPI injection over. 
Captain Coco One, uh, Roger. Acknowledged. Go for MPI injection. Looking good. Looking good. Looking good. Houston Coco One, we have capture. Repeat, have capture of MPI. Roger Coco One, we confirm a big green light here. Good job. Coco One, you are go to begin transmission. Coco One Broadcasting. Hey, you got your Coco 3 yet? For the latest color computer news and information, it's the Coco Crew Podcast. Visit www.cococrew.org. And begin listening today. When you have a little community and it's 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 more difficult to get a group of people together in person. It seems like these are the once a year events and if you're lucky you can maybe go to more than one per year. But for me, you know, these past two years going to Cocoa Fest, it's you know, it's it costs some money to for the hotel and the airfare and all these things. So uh, as much as I would love to travel the world and go to every geeky computer show I can, you kind of have to balance the time, your life, and your finances, you know. Uh, so to have a little gathering like that is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, a little local group. Yeah, yeah. And David, you with us? David Ladd still here? Yes, I'm still here. Yeah. So David went to his computer club. Why don't you tell us about your club real quick, too, because you were telling me the other day, and I thought that was pretty neat because it's been in existence a long time, and you guys still meet. Yeah, 1986. What's so, the name of your club? Uh, it's now called the Metro Area Personal Computer Club. Um, it used to be called the Metro Area Color Computer Club back in the 80s and 90s. But, yeah, they started taking regular PCs. <laughs> oh, letting in all the outsiders, huh? Yep. <laughs> and you meet, what, monthly? Yeah, once a month on the third Tuesday. And you you say you usually get about 20 people to show up to these things? Between 10 and 20. Yeah, that's actually you not guys, bad. You, do you guys actually do this like at a library or a public place, or is it at somebody's house, or how do you guys organize it? Um, well, we used to meet at a business that I won't um, <clears throat> discuss, um, and now we're meeting at a new location, um, that is just off the interstate in Council Bluffs. And what, so, so for those who don't know where you live, what city is this in? Um, well, the club is held in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Iowa. All right. And what's the last four digits of your social security number again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all your passwords, uh, please. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is in Iowa. And it's been going on since the mid '80s. You're still meeting once a month. You still get an average of you know a dozen, two dozen people showing up on a monthly basis for over 30 years. That's pretty impressive. And do you guys do like show and tells? You show off projects and bring in hardware and software projects to share with the group. Um, there's some of us that do demos. Um, back in the '80s and '90s, we had quite a few people that was into. Um, you know, doing PC repair or some form of electronics or hardware, but um, there's only like three people that's in the club that do that routinely. So 
most of the people that's in the club now are just regular users. Okay. So it's more like, um, you know, there are, you know there are demos that the the end users will do, like different software, video editors, or things okay. like that. But yeah. So is it now more focused on current technology and less on vintage technology? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so it is a computer club. It's not necessarily a strictly vintage computer club. Um, right. Okay, but you're still meeting, and that's that's still pretty cool in itself. And um, I, I'm, I'm assuming sometimes you guys do talk about vintage stuff at your meetings and everything? Sometimes when I bring it up. <laughs> okay. Because I think you mentioned you were showing off your circuit board prototype for your uh, PS2 mouse adapter for the Coco. Yes, I was showing it, my demo this last month was for um, how to use Eagle and how I set up the board layout. Okay, so, so you're showing people how to design circuit boards on a modern system. Yes, that's cool. That's interesting too. Yeah, so it's neat. It's neat that there are still computer clubs around, and it would be neat. I would love it if there was some type of retro club that was local to me that I could meet once a month and bring out some type of toy with to play with and see what other kind of toys other people have. You know, everybody brings out their Commodores and Ataris and Apples and stuff and just get together. I, I just I think in this day and age, it's just more difficult to find a lot of local people. That's the great thing about Facebook is we we can share this hobby with people around the world. But how many people in a hundred mile radius you're going to find that are exactly into that and have stuff on them that are going to commit to a monthly meeting? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, like locally here, I get like Bill's about an hour's drive away to see him, and then Dwayne, you know, he doesn't have one anymore, but he likes looking at it, he does do a lot of stuff with MAMES, we'll, once in a while I'll drag my Coco over to his place, and he's got a neighbor that's kind of interested in the retro thing, but not to the point of spending money on it. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, that's about as far as we go here, too, so. Right. Uh, Grant uh, Leedy is asking, does anybody know if Cloud9 will be at Tandy Assembly? That's a great question. I don't know the answer to that question. I have not heard in a formal... I'm not sure. I, I, well, let's check the Tandy Assembly website real quick. Yeah, I was going to ask, have they updated the vendor list? Or? Great segue there, Grant. Let's find out right now. When we look at um, exhibitors, there's. I actually sent in my money for exhibitors to get the early bird. Under sponsors, nothing new there yet. Under, um, what else do we have here? Exhibitors, schedule. All right, so I don't know that there's an exact list of exhibitors just yet. So there's there's information showing you the floor plan, and there's the prices on how to pre-register to be an exhibitor. But I don't see a list of who is confirmed right now. Look, it's looking like it's about $90 a night to book the room. And um, that's about all I see right now. So I don't see anything on the website that confirms that, but I'm sure we could reach out to Mark via um, Facebook and ask him as well. Yeah, you kind of just want to hope and assume that the usual suspects you see at um, Coco Fest will be there, but you know it's a different time of the year, it's a different part of the country, and not everybody's schedules and agendas and finances allow that kind of stuff. But um, I, I don't know if 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 Mark would even think that it might not be the best 
I, you know, I don't know how much money he makes when he goes there, but at least if he goes to Cocoa Fest, since he's selling nothing but Cocoa stuff, he's got a better chance at selling some of his wares. Tandy Assembly, only a fraction of the people there are going to be Cocoa folks. So if there's 100 attendees and 20 of them are Cocoa people, that's a smaller uh, group of customers too. So that might factor into some people who sell only specific products, you know. Wasn't there a, uh, a little... Uh Add blurb in the podcast that we just uh, uh, mentioning Tandy Assembly. I, I thought they heard. I thought I heard they say say uh, Cloud Nine was going to be there. Okay, I but don't maybe I, maybe I, maybe not. I got to re-listen to when I can really pay attention to it and focus on it. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll find out. In the meantime, I guess we could always just reach out on Facebook or listen to the podcast first because it needs to be listened to anyways. Homework assignment, yeah. and then um, and then we'll find out. Fedor's back in the chat. All right. So, anything else we want to talk about before we uh, before we wrap up wrap up this week's Coco Fest, uh, Coco Fest, Coco Talk, whatever we are. <laughs> um, I just want to mention one thing that we didn't talk about earlier when we had uh, Glenn here talking about his Pac Man. Um, I've, I've been just looking uh, on the internet, um, looking for the the program and information that he had. He has a brilliant blog, development blog about the Pac-Man, the whole process that he used to convert it. Uh-huh. It's definitely worth a look. Uh, he's put a lot of work into it and it's yeah. uh, very informative uh, and for people who like to get into that sort of more technical detail, it explains it very well. So uh, yeah, uh, we didn't mention the the blog earlier and I just found it now and it, it's really good, really well done. So Yes, there is a link um, to that blog in the description to this. So if, if yeah. you're watching live, you can get to it now and if you watch this on a replay, it will be there as well. But good, good Highly point. recommended. It's very well done. Yeah. And it's nice yeah. too because he's going from the technical perspective whereas yours goes more from the development perspectives so we're that's getting right, different yeah. kinds of blogs even. So Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. a very, very well done blog is. Uh, and speaking of well blogs, but not well done blogs, I was very pleased to see the Coco Crew mention my blog this month because I've only just now started blogging, and you know who the hell am I? I'm not a programmer. I haven't done anything. I'm doing crap and basic. So to get a little bit of recognition for a crappy blog about crappy basic programs was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, it's things done. Yeah, yeah. Um, Is your blog software written in basic? Yes, it is. It is. It's, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, and that one particular one that they that they featured was probably the most thorough one, where it would really that one particular post was the closest thing to a development blog I've done so far because I actually went through each little chunk of the basic program and, and showed the program listings and explained in a little bit more detail what each part did. So it is the kind of um, uh, you know reading version of the video because I know in my video I kind of verbally explain it all but this is you can read about the explanation of all those get and puts and the optimizations and stuff so um, yeah so it's, it's been kind of fun for me to to write about what I'm also doing too good stuff alright well we're gonna are we gonna wrap it up then have we beat this one to death <laughs> Isn't that trademarked by the Coco Crew podcast? So. <laughs> Funny. Yes. Well, the, we since since David Ladd has arrived, we can officially end the show now. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, <laughs> David. 
The end is yeah. near. The end is near. Yes, yeah. always when I show up. <laughs> and it was it was great having uh, Steve and and Karen here, some uh, UK representation, and we got some Canadian representation, some Australian representation. It's great. It is. Um, it, it, you really feel like a community when you when we can get people together. We had something like almost two dozen people watching us live. We've got had up to like felt like about a dozen of us here in this call. And you get like a hundred, we get 150 views each week on this um, obscure thing that we're doing here. You know, it's definitely, uh, you're talking about the dragon being a niche thing. Well, this, this show is a niche thing about this niche hobby that we have. And so the fact that we have people to share this with and we're still doing this now 15 weeks in a row, uh, it, I feel like I'm definitely part of something special. Yep, I agree. Yeah. Okay, we just had somebody join us too saying, hi, I like coconuts. Well, we like you too. Very cool. All right. <laughs> All right. And on that last comment that we received, we're going to end this <laughs> cocoa talk. Thank you, guys. We'll see you all next week. Long live the cocoa. Listen to the Cocoa Crew podcast. Bye-bye. Later, all. Thanks for listening to another episode of Cocoa Talk. We certainly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not check us out on the web at cocotalk.live where you can watch video replays of all of our live episodes as well as send us feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Until next week, I'm the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Keep on cocoing. Coco forever. Have a cocoa day. And bye-bye, everybody.